as always, we'll start classic introduction to every Hey Watch, Grey Watch episode. Do you have a bit? Initiating neural handshake. I don't know. There's not really a lot of... <laughs> oh, I wish you had kept doing sound effects. Oh, I, how I wish you had kept doing sound effects. <laughs> You're just doing any sound effects now. It started off you were doing, like, I guess, neural handshake sound effects, and then it just became anything you could do. Well, then they start to fight, Hunter. We just watched this. Oh, boy. First they sync up, and then they start kicking ass. Ah, uh, that's I know. It's, it's basic, co- your classic cause and effect. <laughs> it's your rising action and uh, your, I don't know, hero's journey stuff. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> like the sound effects. You're just throwing out things you know. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, rising action, your hero's journey, um, good old uh, roundabout, uh, parry, thrust, dodge, dip, dive. Uh-huh. Don't forget about the MacGuffin. Mm. Yeah, 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 the MacGuffin. Which I guess for this is shoes. Uh, the shoe is kind of a MacGuffin, yeah. There are a couple of shoes in this. Do you have shoes? Because people keep on not having shoes. <laughs> it's true. They keep losing shoes. It's not that they don't have them. It's that they stop having both of them. Mm-hmm. That might be a Del Toro thing. Uh, there's also there's another credited screenwriter on this that I think like it's an idea that mm-hmm. Del Toro had, and then he had so, this guy form it into... No, it's Travis Beecham, and he's actually the story by... Oh, is he the, the story credit. by? Okay. He's also the guy that uh, wrote Carnival Row. Or cons- Carnival Row. It's... Oh, is that the fuckable fairies? Yes. Boy, that. Yep. Yeah, that tracks. He also did uh, Clash of the Titans, too. The Yeah, yep. the remake. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, wait, how yep. old is he? Right. No, yeah. Like, You're yeah. way too old to be writing about fuckable fairies, sir. <laughs> is he? What if, what if fairies but fuckable? I don't know if it would be better if it was, like, a 70-year-old guy writing <laughs> for that. For Carnival Row? Yeah. Just really leaning into it in your golden years. So, wait. Story by Travis Beecham and then... And... Yeah, and then uh, the, the two of them uh, worked on the screenplay and then directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So that means, like, probably a lot of the world building and stuff is del Toro. Yeah. It all feels very del Toro. Yes. Yeah. And, well, okay. Like, just, like, story beat-wise. Like, divorcing from... Because, of course, all the um, designs and stuff look very Del Toro. That's, yeah. Uh, the Hellboy guy. The Hellboy man. Yeah. Hello to the Hellboy man. Hello. <laughs> the other Hellboy man, not the Mignola. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. he created. Yeah. Yeah. Mike yeah. Mignola. Yeah. But for, the, those, for those not in the know. The film Hellboy man, not yeah. the... The original yeah. Hellboy film man. Oh, boy. No, Hellboy. Listeners, welcome to another Hate Watch, Great Watch. I am your host, Hunter Bush. With me, as always, is my Drift-compatible co-host, Allison Yukulis. Today, we're talking about the film Pacific Rim mm-hmm. from... 2013. 2013. Wow, that seems... Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, at the very beginning of the movie, 
it's set in 2013, but then we do a couple of time jumps forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, like, in the near future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is... I was just listening to a podcast talking about Mad Max, and Mm -hmm. they were then debating the timelines of... Because I wrote wrote an article for Movie Joan about Fury Road, so I did a little little research, as you would say. Mm. Um, But yeah, they were talking about... It doesn't count, Hunter said it. Yeah, it doesn't count. You can't drink. (laughs) Spit it out. (laughs) Spit it out. Then do something sobering, like, I don't know, taxes, or talk to a cop. (laughs) Those are two things you never do. Do get you a, realize that? Get a phone call. <laughs> get a phone call from your parents. What? I said those are two things you'd never do. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, I can't do one, and yeah. I don't like doing the other. Uh-huh. I do the taxes around here. Yeah. Which is why soon the police will talk to me. <laughs> um, she's framing Because I'm committing tax fraud under yeah. your name? She's framing Oh, me. boy. She wants to inherit my empire. Ugh. The Movie John Podcast Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's going to use it as a front for, I don't know, ca- illegal black market kaiju parts. Mm, yeah. That apparently is where the money is. Oh, yeah. You see them shoes? Yeah. You can go plate your shoes and your outside bones. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird reference, but I like it. <laughs> Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Um, If you are new to the podcast, uh, we usually have a guest, but... Because of numerous factors, we're a little closer to, like, like air date than I like to be. I like to have, like... We usually have a, m- a lot more in the can than we do. Yeah, and I... honestly, the biggest problem has been COVID slash Hunter and I work a lot. Yeah, so... and, and I've recently taken over uh, running the Movie John Podcast Network. Yeah, because that's... that's not work. No, I just meant, like, we have day jobs as well, and then I have this, which is my, you know, side hustle, and then that is my side side hustle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also try to write for Movie John, and, you know, we have other, we have a social life, kind of. We have roommates and friends, and we have to cook meals and do dishes and all this stuff, and all this mm-hmm. stuff takes time. Um, so, yeah, we usually like to have a few more episodes done, edited, ready to go, and so we're trying to build up our repertoire. Um, if you are a new listener, hello, thank you for checking us out, um, we are podcast out of philadelphia where usually we're joined by a guest as i said um and we talk about movies we talk about a movie and talk about what we like and what we don't like and you know if you are unsure whether or not you should check this movie out listen to us talk about it mm-hmm. um we will be spoiling the movie um but like allison said it came out in 2013 so you had some time if you really 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 wanted to see pacific rim you had all the opportunities pretty much you could have tracked it down legally, only legally. This is one of those ones where I wouldn't, I would definitely be like, yes, please pay for it. Pay yeah. for the rental, pay for the, because it's, it's Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking about this with our roommate and frequent guest, Crystal Brackett. Yeah. It pisses me off that Guillermo del Toro ever, there's ever a, a day in his life where if he wakes up and goes, I want to make this movie, that people aren't just like, well, here's the money for that. Mm-hmm. It, because it, like, even, even when they're not like, exactly my cup of tea or they don't because sometimes Guillermo nails it for me where I'm like oh this is a great movie like mm-hmm. everything in this is clicking and yeah. then sometimes I'm like oh this is pretty good like mm-hmm. you know he really doesn't miss for me wanna wanna drop some names on that or what movies yeah um so I mean barring early stuff because early stuff has more constraints and mm-hmm. you know whatever whatever yeah you usually have a smaller budget and stuff you are still sort of figuring out your tools here as far as like what's uh, possible and feasible and everything so, yeah yeah um, I mean I, I don't think anything misses that's what I'm saying like I yeah. don't think there's any misses mm-hmm. but like 
I think Pan's Labyrinth is an incredibly solid film that really mm-hmm. works for me on pretty much every level. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I think Pacific Rim is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's a very good movie that, like, definitely, you know, if he woke up on Tuesday and decided he wanted to make Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. then Wednesday he should have, you know, been signing that check. Yeah. I... Would, I just, he's too, I would concur. Yeah, he's too creative. Plus, also, this, the reason that I thought of this is I was like... I can't believe the Hellboy franchise didn't, like... Yeah, he didn't get to do the... He had to fight yeah. to do the third Hellboy, and then it which, didn't even happen. Which is crazy to me, because, like, those are, you know, just, I think, excellent, you know. Right, but as as I the know. boys on We Hate Movies say, the finger thing means the money. Yeah, I, I mean, know. that's what it is. I They're know. like, well, this didn't make enough money. It, it's not a fucking blockbuster franchise, so, like, maybe we don't want to make it. It's just like, fuck up. Yeah. I haven't seen Hellboy 2 in a long time, but I remember liking it. Yeah. I think I, that's the one I've seen more. This is the Golden Army. Yeah, for, I know. For those listening. Yeah. But I think both the Hellboys are really solid. I think the first one works as a standalone better because it's the origin kind of and yeah. you're you're introducing everybody to to the audience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the second one, there's a little bit of that, but it's like, it assumes you've seen the first one, so it's a little bit more snappy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Hellboy, you know, he's a demon guy anyway. And it moves on. Yeah. Um. But, like, even that, even that, like, a, a, a less perfect, you know, Guillermo movie, Guillermo franchise movie, I think it's going to age way better than, mm-hmm. I don't know, let's say Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like, and I think it's going to age better than the fucking Hellboy they ended up making with David Harbour. And I like David Harbour. I also liked that Hellboy. It's just that I really liked... Was the David Harbour one? Yeah. I did not. Oh, really? Overall, no. Okay. I thought it had some interesting elements in it, it and I was down for it, and I felt like it still had a decent tone to it that worked with the comics. Neither of them was like a one to one, but like no, no, no. The Hellboy, the tone know. of the Hellboy comics is weird. Yes. Um, you know, very specific, yes. and honestly, would not really work as a film. Right. Well, and I mean, like, it's also one of those things where, like, it's very much more into like a cult lore in a way that you're probably not going to see on screen in this climate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's know? and it's it's kind of like at least the original like Mignola written and drawn. Yeah. Um, because later on they have side things and there's other writers and stuff and he works with people and all sure. that. But yeah, the original ones it's very like film noir and yeah. detective-y influence. So there's well, a lot of like sparse dialogue that's very specifically worded and pinpoint, you know? Sure. And, and it's also sort of got a melancholy yeah. to it that yeah, I yeah. don't think I've seen in yeah, any of the films. He's a very world weary uh, like yeah. he has a very world weary quality to him. Um, yeah. Ron uh why am I blanking? Ron Perlman? Perlman, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just said this. <laughs> I was like Ron Silver. No, that's the other Ron I like. Um <laughs> Ron Swanson. He's not real. Uh anyway. Uh Ron Perlman, he does have like a melancholy to him. Sure. Harbor kind of does. Harbor's Hellboy seemed hungover more than anything. Yeah, well <laughs> Which is like I was like, I don't I don't dislike it. It's a weird well, turn. So I almost felt like it was sort of a, a Casino Royale situation where it was like, you know, a younger Bond, a younger Hellboy yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Where like I feel like I don't think it matters with the age of Hellboy either, really. Like Well, but, like, so I think he had a lot more of that, like, you know, more youthful ennui, where, again, a lot of that ends yeah, up being he, hungover. He, he kind of is a little petulant right. in it. Whereas there's that older, more established one, which is just generally, you know, like a bone tired as opposed to a resultantly right. tired. World weary. Yeah. 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 Like you said. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I think either of those Guillermo... Hellboys are going to age a lot better than the David Harbour one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. They just do, like, they feel more coherent and cohesive and real. And there's also a bit more spectacle to them, which is kind of what you want in movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or at and, least, like, your your action genre and they'll, stuff. And you'll be able to watch them anytime in the future and not know the precise fucking day that they were made. Mm-hmm based on how the graphics look and yeah. the music they used and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Guillermo del Toro definitely does a lot of, like, the whole dark fairy tales. Yeah, yeah, that's his, that's yeah. his aesthetic. Yep. It's yeah. all, always has been. Yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, like... All his stuff is... This is the reason I like him so much and have, have liked him since, you know... Probably the first thing I saw that he had made was Blade Two. Uh-huh. And I remember being like, this is, like, okay, but what I really like is how weird... The vampires are. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot of weird vampire world building in that. Yeah. And a lot. And I was like, oh, somebody really designed the fuck out of these vampires beyond like the first blade. They're just vampires. It's literally just Stephen Dorff with plastic fangs in. Right. And you're like, that's cool. And I love the first blade. Yeah. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah. It's, it's I've a mentioned thing this, that Hunter likes to say. <laughs> I've mentioned this on the podcast previously. One of <laughs> my favorite and I would argue the best lines in cinema. Uh-huh. I'm going to get a blade tattoo. It's going to be blade with ice skates, and it's going to say that. <laughs> you know, that's fine. But the second one, they're totally unlike any vampires in anything ever. Yeah. They're really interesting, and it all makes a kind of sense and, you know, supports itself. And I was like, damn, somebody really did their work. And then I was like, I'm going to pay attention to this dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've never been let down, Yeah. you know, since by his output. So, I don't know if I... I like world building. World building is my shit. I don't know if I've told this story on here, so you can stop me if I did, but, uh, like, two years ago for Christmas... Story time. Two years ago for Christmas, you got me that, uh, Super Yaki shirt that said Crimson Peak was good. Yeah. And my first reaction was, wait, there are people who didn't think it was good? Who didn't think it was good? (laughs) Uh, everybody that didn't go see it, because they were like, it's just a ghost movie. Oh, man, it's one of my fucking faves. Yeah, um, Crimson Peak is fucking great. Because that was, you know, when we were talking about, like, the uh, times he doesn't miss, that's one for me, where just, like, oh, yeah. I enjoy every part of that movie. Yeah. That's a movie, like, yeah. that's It, not... it looks amazing. Yeah, I just, like, he doesn't. Um, I do think the ghost sounds were mixed a little high, because we watched it in theaters, and so well, that, that's different. it startled me every single time, just because of the, the that, loudness. You, that's not a film. That's no, not, that's like, a the quibble. film. That's a quibble. That's literally the only bad thing I could say about it, is the ghosts were too loud. Yeah, and, like, that, again, that could just be the theater we were in, or where we were sitting, relative to what speaker. True, but, yeah, I mean, like, you know... The costuming is exquisite. The sure. set design's amazing. I like all the actors in it. I think everybody's acting their little balls off, and like right. the plot's great. Yeah, yeah, we are Guillermo del Toro fans. Yeah. So the reason we're doing a Guillermo del Toro episode is the episode is going to drop on Cinco de Mayo, and we were like, let's think of like you know Mexican filmmaker or a movie. You know, I was just like, oh, this would be a lot of fun. Plus, we're recording this the week that Godzilla vs Kong came out, so I had like a real giant monsters fighting thing sure uh, and i was like oh let's do pacific rim it's been a while mm-hmm. we both enjoy that movie yeah uh so let's like watch it and talk about it yeah so i think that started as me explaining what the podcast is yeah. and then we rambled for a while which is honestly a we pretty good here. example of what the podcast is um so yeah welcome so let's talk about this movie okay i i kind of found it a little funny that like they set you up just with straight definitions about our two key concepts in this movie which are what kaijus are and what uh jaegers are is i think is kaiju the plural of kaiju or is it uh, would it be kaijus i mean kaijai 
I mean, in Japanese, there's a pluralization, but like I because right, but, it's kind of a loan word. Right. I was gonna say English. now it has become like a loan word. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I think it might be like sheep, where it's one or many. Yeah, but deer. you could also say sheeps. You could. You, you can say anything you want. Yeah, because well, okay. Yeah. We as a society sure. have allowed anybody to say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And and you're kind of a jerk if you correct them because, like, well, you know what they meant. And it's like, right, but they were wrong. And I'm just letting them know, like, oh, this is how you pronounce that or say that thing. Or that word you think means that doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. But I know if I was to say that, I would be out of pocket, I guess. Which would be extremely ratchet of me. <laughs> Slang is dumb. It's always been dumb. I mean... How can hot and cool mean the same thing? <laughs> Stupid children, of which I was one. Yeah. And said those things. Anyway, movie starts with uh, kaiju and Jaeger definitions so that everybody's on the same page. Right, so that kids don't leave this movie being like, that was totally Jaeger. And people are like, that's not how you use that word. And they're like, I guess it is, though. Kaiju comes from Japanese. It's yep. big old monster. Yep. And Jaeger comes from German. It means literally hunter. Which is my name. Which is Hunter's name. Yep. I actually, I had a neighbor that was a German teacher and whenever, uh, he was a friend of my dad's and so we'd have dinner together sometimes, you know, my, Just you my and dad him. would invite him over. My dad would invite him over, you know, and I'd mention you and he would always go, Jaeger. <laughs> Great story. All right. Well, <laughs> you, you might also know it from Jaegermeister, that yeah. liquor in that green bottle that nobody actually likes. Oh, that's fine. Jägermeister means master of the hunt. That's where you get that. Yeah. So, yep. In case you don't speak German or didn't know that. Yeah. We get uh, a ton of exposition backstory. Yep. Narrated by our star, Charlie Hunnam, mm-hmm. who you might know from Sons of Anarchy. And from Crimson Peak. And from favorite. Crimson Peak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been in things. Yeah. Um, I think he was on MTV's Undeclared. Okay. Which is like a college yeah. sitcom that was like heavy on sexual tension. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was... Uh, produced or it was like co-created i don't remember but i, I think um judd apatow uh was a like i said either a producer creator or something on it i just know they keep casting charlie hunnam as an american well in and... undeclared he was british okay which is what he is yes yeah no it's well a... after he got sons of anarchy then everybody's like oh he's he can do an american accent which is debatable i don't think he's terrible he's getting better i mean he got better over the course of that show yeah of did. which we watched all yeah but, like, even in this, there was some, there's one time where he says, like, we don't have to do what he says. And I was like, that just straight up sounds Australian now. Like, <laughs> you've overcorrected. Yeah, I was like, something. yeah, I was yeah. like, what's happening? There's a scene, okay, so there's a scene You're in this. all over the road, Charlie. There's a scene in this where Charlie Hunnam, English, playing American, sits down with the two actors playing Herc and Chuck. Yeah. Who are uh, an American playing Australian, is Herc. And an Englishman playing Australian oh is Chuck. And I was like, the fucking, like, it must have been a nightmare for all three of them to be at that table. To be, like, in between scenes reverting to their various normal accents and then being like, and action. And then they have to, like, slow on these fucking, like, sometimes very dodgy accents. Yeah. Like, Herc and Chuck, the two actors playing father and son Australians, their accents don't sound the same. Yeah. Which... It, yeah, it was like, oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't, it's not a huge, pro- you, you know, it doesn't pull you out of the movie or whatever. Because the movie's like a big, flashy comic book. You know, it's a right. big, fun, silly, it's giant monsters punching giant robots around the world. And it's cool. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. But their accents are messy. But also, like, 
the whole point of this movie, one of the points of this movie is like the international aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know, which is in this opening like dialogue uh, voiceover info dump, which is like we put aside past grievances and, you know, yeah, for the greater good. And it's like, so why couldn't he just be British? Couldn't you just let Charlie Hunnam just be British? Because all of the country. Well, no, that's not true. No, it's not. Because I was going to say, like, yeah. like The I was first say city the... attacked is San Francisco. Yeah. Some of it takes place <clears> in Alaska, <throat> and then the ending takes place in Hong Kong. Yeah. Well, and they make references to Manila. Oh, yeah, all around the world. They and, make other yeah. references, yes. Yeah. But I'm talking about, like, the action you actually yeah. see in the movie. But, yeah, you're right. In general, so, okay. So, to catch you up on what's happening, in 2013, a rift opened in what I imagine is the Marianas Trench area. Sure. It's called the Breach. Or something. Yeah, it's a breach. It was caused, apparently, by two tectonic plates rubbing against each other yeah i don't know and generating energy so big monsters start coming out of it and uh destroying cities and and lives and stuff and yeah it starts with san francisco and everybody thinks it's a one-off and then it happens again in manila in the philippines yes and yeah one after another every like six months yeah it happens very regularly humanity kind of realizes oh we have to do something about this and started the jaeger program which uh, is all about creating giant honking robots to go after these monsters. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole thing of like, oh, everything needs to be piloted by two people so that they can share the neural load because it is too much for one person to be able to, like, control a robot. Safely, yeah. Safely, yeah. There's, uh, like, stock footage kind of of, like, you know, them showing, like, a guy putting on a big, uh, you know, big rig arm thing and he's moving his arm and the giant robot's arm is also moving like that and mm-hmm. then it's like you know that guy is like got burst blood vessels in his eyes and like he's bleeding out of his nose and you know the whole yeah. the whole nine yep and so they're like oh if we have two you know two yeah. people then one of them operates the left hemisphere and one of them operates the right hemisphere and like the brain be, and they need to be compatible right. which is also it's like so there's a lot of like familial bonds but then also there's like sometimes it doesn't take that i don't i don't it's, you know it's it's, it's a little no, no, um, no it's 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 loosely defined yeah but i think the the looseness is meant to like allow for certain things to happen story wise sure that are you know cool and fun and like these you know character turns and things yeah. but I think the, you know, which is good, like, that's what you want. But I also think the looseness leads people to believe that it's like, oh, a familial intimacy bond when it's not really that. I've, I've seen this no, movie a couple yeah, of times and I always try to figure out what the guidelines for it, are. And what it is, is when you're linking two minds, mm-hmm. you're both going to like, you know, it's a, they say in the movie, it's two way street. Yeah. So your memories and the person you're linked with's memories are going to be, you know, moving in both directions sure. and it, it's going to take a specific kind of person to be able to control their own thoughts mm-hmm. so that they're not overwhelming their partner, but also like mentally not dive into their, you know, partner's memories, which can be bad for them. You know, right. um, it's, it's, it's basically a mental discipline thing, but it, yes, it takes a certain yeah. like well, understanding say, of the way that understanding, somebody. yeah, the uh, understanding yeah. of the way the other person operates and what they're, you know what what they are like and what they are likely to do so yeah. that you can be like oh and maybe also like what their like emotional triggers are right as far as like you know things to not 
dwell on or pursue. Right, right. Since you're both in this shared, you know, intermingled memory thing. Yeah, not to be like, oh, here's a memory of you fighting with your, you know, now deceased husband or whatever. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, well, I probably shouldn't pay attention to that. Yeah. That's going to bum them out. And then we're going to get murdered in this giant robot. Sure. Again, it's, it's loosely defined. It's a very cool idea, but it's yeah. just there to be fun. Well, and it's one of those things that, like, I'm totally willing to suspend my disbelief for. Yeah. You know? Like, they, they do enough of just saying, like, not everybody can do this. Yeah. Some people can. But that's the thing is, I think I've, I've seen a lot of, like, and talking to people about this movie, that's a thing is people are like, well, because it's a lot, it's a father and a son is one team. There are three siblings is another team. There's, what are the, are the I, Russians husband and wife, I, I think? I don't, I don't, I, I can't I, remember. Lo- I, so I was distracted while they were doing that. I actually had to look up the, because they introduce, um, every Jaeger has sort of like a code name or yeah, yeah. whatever and it's stuff. It's like a battleship. Yeah. And so like, I had to actually go back and look up what some of those were and stuff. And I completely missed the it's, Russians' I'm, names. And it doesn't matter what their yeah. names are. The, none of that, none of that's important. I didn't catch it. Oh yeah, I was just saying. Like, I can't remember. I don't because I remember the 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 Chinese. Yeah, they're goes, triplets. Or, yeah, they're, they're yeah. triplets. And then the Russians. It's a man and a woman. I think they're supposed to be husband and wife. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're I father mean, son and yeah. like uh, and even... originally is Charlie Hunnam and his brother. Yep. Yancey. Yeah. Rally, Rally and Yancey. Yancey. Yep. I fucking love Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. This is like Guillermo del Toro. Like th- it has to unless what's the screenwriter guy. Travis Beecham. Beecham. Unless Beecham is Am a I big... his name right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Unless Beecham is like a big uh, Kojima fan. Yeah. This feels like Guillermo del Toro, who I know is a big yeah. Kojima fan. Yeah. Because um, this is how, like, basically everyone and everything in the Metal Gear mm-hmm. universe is named. Yeah. Well, and so I've also had to explain to some people that, like... Not explain, but I mean, like, I've had people be like, oh, it's just a knockoff Godzilla. And it's like, well, no, it is appreciative of right. this as a genre of which Godzilla is kind of the defining yeah, yeah. franchise. It's as much a knockoff Evangelion as it is a yeah. knockoff Godzilla yeah. or knockoff Ultraman or right. whatever. Right. And yeah. I mean, at that point, then can it just be its own thing? And also sometimes movies that reference other movies are right. still good themselves. Right. That's like somebody being like Spider-Man. Yeah. <sighs> that's just a ripoff of Superman. Yeah. Because that's also a superhero right. of the same milieu. Right. And it's like, all right. Or you could just shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you also have the option to just shut the fuck up, sir. So, yes. But yeah, nobody, so... nobody here is saying Godzilla isn't the best. We all know Godzilla is the best. Yeah. Here's my hot take on Godzilla vs. Kong. They do not kiss, therefore it gets one star. Yep. There's literally a moment where they are comparatively inches from each other. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure it's like, I don't know, like a half mile or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're screaming in each other's faces. And I was alone on my couch on like a Wednesday morning with my arms in the air going, Kiss! 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 And they did not kiss. And therefore, it gets one star. If they let Bong Joon-ho do it, they would have kissed. Bong Joon-ho would have allowed them to kiss. Yeah. Yes. No, I love Adam Wingard. Con- Movie's great. Uh, continue. Yeah, we... Uh, Stop. Previous episode. Continue. Electric Six. I know. You also did Hammer Time earlier. Yeah. I changed it up. I don't have a third one in the chamber, so I don't know if this if I'll get rule of threes on this one. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Oh, that's good. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Yeah. Which I believe is badly rapping. Uh-huh. I invented it. 
Anyway, come on. But yeah, so 2013, uh, big old monster out of the breach, Jaeger program. Um, we get all this backstory of like, oh, because it's so special that you can, you know, and and dangerous to be a pilot that they become the rock stars because you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, realistically, yes. If this, if anything like this happened, if the governments of the world united and we built giant robots to fight monsters, yeah. Of course, the the two man teams that pilot these things would be absolute stars. I mean, look at the space program. Right, ex- I was gonna say it's exactly like being the first people that went into space, the first people that went to the moon. Like you know, yeah, yep. awesome. Yep, it would be awesome. Charlie Hunnam becomes a so he he says in the voiceover that he was 15 when the, the first kaiju the first kaiju happens. Which the first kaiju, by the way, according to the Pacific Rim wiki. Mm-hmm is officially named Trespasser. Yeah. So they keep on throwing out these names for these monsters, and I could, couldn't really um, it doesn't matter. parse yeah. them out. I'm guessing it's like toy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something. it's just like, it's it's designations. Yeah. Uh, the, the the biggest takeaway is that they, they sort of label kaijus as uh, uh, on a mark system for how big they are. So yeah, how big and and their and, threat level? Um, sure. And it's called the Serizawa scale. Oh, um, it's named after the character Daisuke Serizawa, who is the doctor in the very first Godzilla film. Oh, neat. Yeah. Okay, that's um, cool. I missed that. That's a good. Uh, it's also detail. Ken Watanabe's surname in the 2013 or 14 Gareth mm-hmm. Ed- uh, Gareth Edwards yeah. uh, Godzilla. Yeah. Because he's playing, if not the same. I don't think it's. I don't think his first name is Daisuke. I think mm-hmm. it's a different. Sarazawa, but yeah. 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 But like sort of a... Yeah, it's a nod. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so then we sort of pick up in Alaska in 2020. Yeah. The seventh year of the Kaiju War, um, which makes Charlie Hunnam 22. Sure. He's a pilot with his older brother Yancey. They, uh, f- and... Uh, Wait, Idris... isn't Yancey Fry's brother on yes, Futurama? <laughs> I yes. just realized that. Yeah. Philip and Yancey Fry. I wish, I wish they, it was just Philip and Yancey Fry. Yeah, in no, this. it's not. Charlie Hunnam would make a pretty fun it's, Fry. It's Rally. Shut up and take my money. Rally Beckett. That's yeah. what it is. Mister yeah. Beckett. Yeah. You've got Idris Elba. Yeah, Idris Mr. Elba's Beckett. like their commanding officer. Um, yeah, he also has a great name. His name is Stacker Pentecost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very like it's fucking awesome. Every yeah. name in this is so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a guy that loves naming stuff. I have like a couple thousand like unused song or band names in a full like a file, mm-hmm. and I love it. They're so good. Mm-hmm. These are such good names. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Yeah, the two of them um, are in their Jaeger called uh what gypsy is it? danger gypsy danger yeah they're you know it is spelled g-i-p-s-y because yeah. uh i believe they liked the like cadence of it and the feel of the word because that's how all the kojima stuff is named like it doesn't yeah. really make sense right um it doesn't have to make a sense it's just like to give you the vibe of a thing mm-hmm. um but i think they specifically spelled it that way so that it doesn't have like racial yeah it's it's uh, step back from the slur. Right, yeah. right, right. It doesn't have those, like, yeah, outdated... Uh, 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 connotations? Connotations. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I'm just saying, because yeah. I, 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 I noticed that it was spelled that sure. way, and I was like, why? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's got... I imagine it's that. But, you know, and so they're uh, trying to, yeah, fight this... Do you know what this one's named or no? No. Okay. I didn't bother looking up all of them. 
I just yeah. was curious. Yeah. They're going after something. There's also a fishing boat out there. Um, and, uh... Oh, actually, I think this one is... I think they call it Knife Head. Knife Head. Okay. Because it has a head um, like a knife. Pentecost is like, don't save this fishing boat at the expense of, you know, a city full of people. Yeah, he's like, it's you a know. city of blank million people. Yeah. Uh, don't save... Don't endanger them to save a fishing boat with ten. Yeah. Um, but of course, like, you know, the... They're, the, they're good old American yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. Raleigh and Yancey are going to go for the gold because, you know, they're stone cold badasses and they're, you know, Jaeger pilots and stuff. And things go horribly wrong. Yeah, so um, the the giant robots inside both the pilots, you know, sort of operate in unison. They're both, you know, stepping with their right leg at the same time than their left leg. Yeah, it's well, very... they, they do a whole process of a neural handshake so that they're together in this zone called the drift where you, you can sort, sort of, of blend yeah. minds together to allow you to control this robot in unison. Yeah, you can sort of feel yeah, you're... what the other one is doing so that you don't have to say, like, mm -hmm. left leg, right leg, you know. Yeah. Inside, outside, yeah. inside, outside. Yeah, you don't have to, you know. You can just are like, okay, we're going to step now. We're doing this. We're doing that. Yeah. And then you just call your big attacks so that, you know, you're both on the same page. Right. Because it's, uh, there's a thing later on, some some dialogue is paid to the idea that, specifically Charlie Hunnam, but I mean, I think it's not uncommon, um, sort of thinks outside the box and will be like, oh, we'll do this thing now that we wouldn't, you wouldn't normally, you know. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's uh, one point where they're, like, punching this kaiju, and then he's like, elbow rocket. Yeah. And a rocket fires from the elbow that, like, gives the punch, you know, extra oomph. Yeah. And it's just that sort of thing. It's like, oh, we know we have that ability, but, like, when do you want to deploy it? Right. And it's like, we're doing it now. Okay, cool. So, in in the fight with Knifehead, um, Yancey is, like, torn out of the cockpit. Yeah, that the... Knifehead bites off the one arm and yeah. then uses his knife face to, like, stab into, like, the chest of the robot. And because they're linked to controlling the robot, like, they're getting shocks, like, electric shocks uh, yeah, of, well, it's supposed to of be like, damage. Yeah. It's supposed to be biofeedback of the damage on the robot. Yeah, so yeah. they're both hurting. And then Knifehead cracks open the head of the robot, which is their cockpit, and bites in and tears Yancey out and a whole bunch of the, you know, robot as well. Yep. I just haven't missed Charlie Hunnam. It's Raleigh, though. Doesn't matter. Raleigh, Charlie Hunnam's um, good name. manages to switch arms, and because he was controlling. controlling the dead arm, yeah. Um, and you know, and and kills Knifehead, and manages to sort of crawl to shore. Yeah. There's a sense of humor about this in certain parts that I really enjoy. Yeah, I, and so, Guillermo del Toro. We talked about he likes the fantasy fairy tale kind of thing yeah. and so there's this whimsy to yeah even really serious shit yeah so there's a father and son uh beach combing with a uh magnet metal detector yeah yeah uh and you know they find like a little toy robot and then the thing starts going crazy and it's that big broken robot is crawling to shore it's like wading in yeah. and then it collapses on the beach and then uh charlie hunnam, charlie hunnam wanders spills out. out yeah and he's all fucked up yes um, but yeah, so that was just, <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's two bits in like the final fight that are like funny like that. Yeah. Uh, there's one where like, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting 
this giant kaiju, which I think is called like Leatherback or something. Because I looked up mm-hmm. some of the names. Like, yeah. Um, just to distinguish them. Yeah. And anyway, but they're like fighting on this dock and they're basically like grappling and Leatherback is like pushing them backwards uh, so that they'll like fall back in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they're shooting him in the like ribs with their like plasma cannon, mm-hmm. uh, which is like their hand opens up and turns into a cannon because it's a robot. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're just like repeatedly shooting him, trying to kill him. And like they do just as like the heel of their robot like dings up against one of those big metal things on the end of the pier, mm-hmm. just like ding. And uh, a seagull that was perched on it gets up and flies away. <laughs> Oh, I didn't notice the seagull. That's very funny. It's very silly. I mean, also immediately after that, uh, I think Charlie Hunnam has a line of like, let's check for a pulse and he double taps it. Yeah, yeah. Which... They shoot it like five times until it like liquefies the chest cavity. Yeah. And he's like, no pulse. <laughs> yeah, but so like they start to walk away and then they turn back and shoot some more. And that's kind of what happened in this very first thing is they thought that they had killed yeah. this monster they and then it. it came back and killed Yancey. Yeah, they were like, we did so, it, we did it. And so the while the pilots are doing their thing, they're talking to like a central command. Yeah, they have like a, a radio array. And so there's Idris, a whole, the whole... Idris in like a command center yeah. and sensors on the robot. And then also possibly like some of the helicopters yeah. around it are tracking visuals. And there's a specific signature that these... Yeah, uh, biosignature yeah, that the, the kaiju, the kaiju have and stuff. And so, you know, they're getting all this, like, intel and information. Yeah, and they're, they're like, wait, we're still getting life signs yeah. from it. And then it pops up and that's when it fucks their robot up and kills Yancey. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're... The kaiju, since they originate from another world, uh, they are, like, naturally toxic. Yeah. Um, there's, in the opening info, like, news crawl stuff mm-hmm. there, they talk about how the kaiju blood creates a... a you know, a phenomenon known as kaiju blue because yeah. their blood is blue and it's extremely toxic. Yeah. Um, so then there's like shots of like oil spills, but it's actually kaiju blood. Yeah. Um, also, there's a lot of references to like they have a lot of like natural ammonia. Yeah. There's, stuff. as we'll get to, there's yeah. like a black market for their organs, which we sort of talked, like mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, mm-hmm. there's a black market for it. And yeah, like, they're, they're talking about, like, oh, well, this is no good because the brain's too full of ammonia and, like, this thing's too whatever or whatever. You know, like, yeah. yeah. One, like, you know, their skin parasites uh, need ammonia yeah. to live and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But the kaiju bone powder is good for male vitality. Yeah. Diagra. <laughs> Not Kiagra? Oh. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just mad that I didn't think of it. <laughs> Grojira. Oh, that's a good one. Not bad. Yeah. Nope, don't have any more. Rodzilla. Oh, okay. We're just killing that's it today. It's the same thing. It is the same thing. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> is there anything else from that thing? The first kaiju that attacked destroyed three cities along 35 miles of the coast in six days. Just, I just think those sort of factoids are interesting. Um, they ended up having to take it down with tactical nukes. Mm-hmm. which this is also from the wiki. Not, I don't think it's actually mentioned in the movie, but like basically Oakland is, and the Bay yeah. area are un, unusable now because of uh, yeah. nuclear fallout. Well, so like there's, okay. So there's another movie. Um, you never saw it and who cares? 
there's a novelization or something. Oh yeah, there's, I think. there's books, there's like, comics, there's, a lot there's games. Of, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot there's of stuff, stuff had, around this. Yeah. It does auxiliary world building. Yeah, yeah. but I'm just and saying, I mean, like, like, these are factoids about what we're talking about that I just okay. found on the sure. wiki. Sure, I'm not deep diving into the sure. wiki. And then over time, after the Jaeger program, you know, started to exist and we started winning, everything became marketing and propaganda. Yeah, you know. which you see a lot in or in the uh, little. Uh, preamble thing that we're doing here they yeah, have you know the montauk shows and you know they're releasing toys of the yeah. robots and the monsters there are shoes designed to look like the robots and the monsters yeah. like and i was like oh this is all pretty feels pretty real yeah also in this thing where we, where we see the first fight with uh raleigh and yancey versus uh knife head um knife just the the design of the robots and the design of the suits and the weathering on them is just all really oh, yeah. good. It's like, great. Like, it's very convincing in a way that, like, feels like, yeah, it's inhabiting its own space. Yeah. And, the short you know. the short version of this, the rest of this plot, because that, that, that's after Yancey dies and... Uh, Raleigh wades back up to shore. Well, so then we get the title. Then we get the title. <laughs> and I was just like, damn, that's dope. I know. It really is. Like, yeah. you're just like, hell yeah. Yeah. Now I'm in. Yeah. Um, they they caught you up in a very engaging and visual way. Yeah. Even with this voiceover, like, it's giving you a lot of information over the course of, like, five minutes. Yeah. And then that, you get a, that... an opening scene that is really gripping. Yeah. The, the the shorthand of the rest of the plot is that five years passes and the Jaeger program is... Yes, so we're now in 2025. Okay. The Jaeger program is is deci- <laughs> decided to be ineffective and therefore the militaries, you know, all the, the world military are shutting down funding and they're putting all their money into a wall that will encircle the Pacific Ocean, you know, mm-hmm. on land so that like kaiju can't get to land. They can't make landfall anymore because of this big wall. And Idris Elba uh, is like, that's, you know, irresponsible. Mm-hmm. You know, we need offense, not just defense. And they're yeah, like, eh. he seems to be the big head honcho of the yeah, he is, program. He is there. Yeah. They're, um, yeah. He's, yeah. Even if he wasn't five years ago, he is now. Yeah. He's the general. Yep. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're going to be shipping everybody off to Hong Kong. Uh, there's only, I think, four. There are four, left. yeah, extant Jaegers yeah. Um, because funding has been cut for so long, you know, yeah. and, and everything. Um, and they've been consistently getting destroyed by Kaiju. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, moving parts to the plot as far as, like, just little, they inch things along story-wise in, an, in a really good way that I didn't, I know I didn't catch the first time. Uh-huh. A lot of the plot points and things in the movie just felt like, oh, of course this happens because that's when this would happen in the movie. You know, like, but watching it subsequent times, I was like, oh, they actually explain it. Like... The Jaegers start to fail and get, you know, more. They, they lose more than they win. They get destroyed right. and they're expensive to replace yeah. and stuff. Because the kaiju are consistently getting stronger and stronger. Yes. And as we'll find out, they are learning what our strategies are and the way that the Jaegers function and therefore how to destroy them better. Right. Um, because they're not just random monsters wandering, you know, into our world from a parallel world. They are essentially their own you know, Jaegers. They're, you know, created by another species being sent here to wreck shit. Yeah, it's an alien invasion. Yeah, it's um, very uh Independence Day. Yeah. Which when so, you when you told me that the plot, you know, like story by that guy, Beecham, uh-huh. I was like, oh, so he was just like, we should make Independence Day again. So when so Hunter and I watched rewatched this separately because of work reasons. 
So I watched this last night and took notes uh, with Crystal and Nicole. Uh, our roommates. Our roommates. Shout out. Guests, They're never going to listen to this. Hi. Yeah. And then you watched it this morning, kind of with Crystal. Yeah, she was napping. Yeah, I know. So I was asleep. <laughs> I'm very tired. Uh, I'm better now. We're all very tired. I know. It's my third um, cup of coffee. Let's rock. Yeah. So uh, yesterday was bow, watching bow, it bow, with, bow, bow, bow. So yesterday I was watching it with Crystal and Nicole, and Idris Elba does this kind of like big like rallying the troop speech before they're going to do their like. You know, let's try to destroy the breach once and for all. Blah yeah, blah. Yeah, the third act. Yeah. Yep. I was like, you know, and and this today will be our Independence Day and stuff. And you know, they're like, oh yeah, that is definitely. <laughs> yeah. What that sounds like. Oh, and I'm like, the, yeah. The oh, big yeah. finale is exactly Independence yeah. Day. Oh, totally. Like throwing a throwing a bomb it, down a hole as it's opposed to up a hole. Yeah. It's literally a yeah. little alien. Yeah. Looking at a nuclear explosion. Yeah. It's the same shot. Yeah. Um, it's the same ending. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. But anyway. But you um, know what? Not unsatisfying. No, no, it's fine. I think there's other ways, you know, like, I feel like at some point somebody should have been like, I mean, this is cool, but like, can you do it so it's not Independence Day? And I think they should have figured that out. Yeah. But so, I think that all took special effects money that maybe they didn't have. Because like, sure. a lot of the effects in this are very good. There's, it's a, an effects heavy film. Oh, yeah. But some of them are a little well, dodgy. And it also uh, used some miniatures yeah. and uh, some 3D printed oh, stuff uh, cool. for doing some of like the cityscape fights. Oh, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, some of it's a little dodgy just because like, yeah, they, they didn't have, you know, whatever Disney Marvel Monopoly money. Yeah. I mean, even then. It's, it still looks it's, very it's good. very good. And I think they knew where to put their money so that like like i think the knife head fight in the beginning has some kind of wonky visuals sure um and i mean like it's guillermo del toro dude is smart dude knows how special effects work Mm -hmm. so like a lot of the fights are at night yeah a lot of the fights are in inclement weather yep which they explain in the film Mm -hmm. as like the you know the breach and the kaiju coming through always seems to have storms around it and it's some kind of like side effect Mm mm-hmm um, but like all that inclement weather, darkness, flashing light, all yeah. helps hide the seams. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's not... you also get that in the Godzilla movies. So. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Anything with a lot of special. I mean, even practical effects movies, there would be a lot of night stuff because then you can't see the seam in the gorilla suit, you know? Yep. Yeah. And that's what it's just smart filmmaking. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, but there's still some stuff where I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like, you know, like the cut scene on a PlayStation 2 game or yeah. something. Just for a second, just here or there, because they were like, well... We only have X amount of money left. Let's make the ending look real good. And the beginning can just look good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't watched too much of the Transformers movies, but it doesn't have that Why same... Why would you? It doesn't have that same problem where there's too much movement no, on no, the robots. No. There is a decent amount of movement on the robots. Yeah, the difference <laughs> is uh, it's not... You know, Guillermo del Toro isn't masturbatory about the technology. No, he is about, like, some steampunk cog nonsense, which there is a bit of that inside the robots, which I kind of found a little charming. I'm like, oh, I see you there. Yeah, he just, the dude has, he has these fetishes. Yeah, I know. Visual fetishes. Yep. And cogs are one of them. Yeah. Um, And that's cool. Because, yeah, the interior is, like, kind of, it doesn't have, like, a real floor because they need to be able to really move around. So it's kind of like they're suspended. Their feet are on these, yeah, like, pneumatic leg things that react to when they walk. So it's, like, yeah, got this, like, sort of steam engine cog leg, like, 
And then, yeah, they're in a harness that's yeah, holding them up from their back. It's like when you see people doing virtual reality stuff and they're sort of in like a, a bubble or a sphere or something because it allows for a range of movement without them actually moving physically forward. Right. Yeah. Um, so That old chestnut. That old, yeah. <laughs> virtual reality. Yeah. Yeah. Virtual reality. That yeah. old chestnut. Yeah. This is basically a sequel to Lawnmower Man. Um, yeah, yeah. Totally. No. But, uh, yeah, as I was saying, the, you know, the whole plan is get all the extant, uh, Jaegers, take them to Hong Kong. It's the last, you know, place that like the wall isn't constructed yet, basically. Yeah. And, um. They're going to shore up that whole space until the wall is completed. Right. You do visually get the implication that the wall is taking too long because we cut to Alaska and, uh, Raleigh's there, but now he's a wall builder, not a pilot. Yeah. And you can see, like, graffiti being like, oh, the wall's going to be completed. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um. Yeah, because it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's wartime rationing, so you have, like again indication that there's like people working to eat yeah the 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 foreman at uh raleigh's uh like site yeah it's like i got good news and i got bad news the bad news is three men died on the top of the wall last night and everybody's like oh he's like the good news is i got three openings on the top of the wall who wants to work who wants to eat so this is the start of what I feel, and here's the thing, is in this context, it fits, but there's just a continued um, lack of grief in this film that I find hard to connect with, because, like, there is a lot of death, yeah, and there's a lot of death about people we ostensibly care about, and we don't spend any time with it. You have your main characters having their loss, even then, it's not really... There's, there's some attention paid to it, but not a lot of attention paid to it. And then there's other people that, like, we completely just don't address their death. Well, like, the Russian couple, the triplets. They do. And... They do address those. He, like... Not in an emotional way, though. Right, but they we... don't have... That's the whole thing. A lot of the deaths in this are time-locked. Yeah. Yancey dies five years ago. We cut to five years. We don't sure. see five years of grieving. Sure. You know, Makimura's family died when she was a child. That was presumably 15 years ago 20 years ago whatever it is like you know something she's a little kid now she's an adult so again when the triplets and the russians uh that's cherno alpha is the russians and um crimson typhoon is the 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 triplets they're both destroyed in the final like the the plan i was trying to do the broad strokes the plan is to drop a super duper mega bomb down the breach so it'll come out on the other side and destroy the breach and therefore the doorway between our worlds, and then no more kaiju will be safe. Okay. So they send out Crimson Typhoon, Cherno Alpha, and um, what's the other one? Striker. Striker Eureka. Striker Eureka. That's the Australians. Yeah. Um, they send those three out uh, to do it because Gypsy Danger is uh, docked because there was a problem. It doesn't matter. We'll get to that in the plot. Um, but they don't think that... Um, Charlie Hunnam and the uh, Makimura, his new co-pilot, are compatible, basically. So they're not allowed to go and be Jaegers. So the three go out, two of them are destroyed, and some stuff happens. They end up rescuing, you know, Striker Eureka, and, you know, they come back and they're like, okay, we gotta repair the damage to the Jaegers. And he straight up says, like, we destroyed these, you know, these kaiju, that's great. We don't have time to celebrate. We lost people today. We don't have time to grieve. yeah. I just, I feel like this is a war movie that doesn't spend any, like, doesn't pay a lot of mind to the the horrors of it. 
And I agree. I, feel I also like that's think that a major disconnect, and it also really like it makes it feel a lot more just like surface level stuff as opposed to actually like humanizing anybody in this. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm just saying, like, it's so, not it's not that like his brother died and then we see him immediately be like, let's do this. It's like no. there's five years. Like we assume. Yeah. But I that's, think that's, these that's this feels like. My issues with this film though sure. is i don't like how it handles grief yeah it feels like studio notes to me yeah because like yeah, it's, sure. the guillermo del toro has no problem being like oh, this yeah, is no. sad let's be sad now yeah you know this is dark let's address how dark it is yeah um he does that in pretty much anything yeah. like so it doesn't feel like a. I, I don't know enough about beecham as a writer to be able to like feel this out mm-hmm. so it feels like studio notes where they're like hey if we're gonna put this much money special effects money into this um, it can't be a bummer, y'all. Yeah. So I feel like they, the two of them, shaped that script so that the grief is there, but we're not focusing on it because we don't want to bum out the summertime box office. Sure. It's basically, and I, like, I agree with you. I would yeah. like it to feel more like a war movie. Yeah. Because um, it has all those things where it's just, a, it's almost like that. I'm like, you know, uh, so Saving the, Private Ryan is a movie that's basically all about grief i do uh, i do want to also um you know shout out and reference crystal the reason why i'm thinking of it in the concept of a war movie is that she had uh only heard the title hadn't watched this movie before and so thought she knew what this was about and that it was like uh like a, dunkirk a worth- yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then i start watching it and she's like yeah, this is not at all what I thought it was. But I mean, like, it's cool. And I'm like, you know, and we're like, it's not like it's not a war movie. It's just not a war movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. It's not based on historical right. war. Right. No, no. It's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's speculative. Yeah. <laughs> but. Like. Uh, but what's funny, though, is like. repeat. What was that called? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. But like, it could have still been using tropes from that and it would have fit, you know? Absolutely. And yeah. I would have loved that. Yeah. Because that's what brings the realism, yeah, is yeah. connecting it to real things, but with exceptional, you know, situations and detail. Yeah. It would have grounded it. Yeah. Um, in a yeah. way that would have been beneficial, I think. Sure. Because, um, I mean, this does feel like, it does feel a little light. Yeah. Um, and by that, I don't mean tone tonally light, although it is, and there's humor, and there's whatever, and it's fun. Um, it just feels like a little inconsequential. Yeah. Which, like... It's like, yeah, but it could have been, and I mean, like, okay, so like I said, like, this is the week that Godzilla vs. Kong came out, and that means there's a lot of people talking about all those recent Godzilla Kong films, and what they like and what they don't like, and some people don't like, you know, when they're not fun, like, that's what they want from a giant monster movie, it's just like, I just want to go see giant monsters fuck up a city, and then they lose, you know, or they win, or whatever. And honestly, like, that's something that this film does really well. I like a lot of the fight sequences they're very interesting they do some weird stuff in terms of like the um techniques used and uh the the character creations yeah. that allow for like interesting choreography yeah um and you know and a lot of it's again very referential to you know other uh mech franchises and anime and stuff like that so it's everything you would want from that sort of thing so that's definitely no problem with that. That stuff gets, you know, full marks. Yeah. They do a great job here. Yeah, but it's uh, but it's there's something I'm, about grounding it with the human right. pilots that It's that I'm one of those people that I like having good human stories in my Godzilla movies as well because right. that's the level that I'm on. I am a person size person and I feel like that's kind of where it ends up being interesting to me is how you're dealing with these 
you know, paranormal and extra normal things invading your world. Yes. Sure. It depends for me on, you know, what the goals are. Sure. Um, Cause like those more recent Godzilla and Kong films, like especially Godzilla, it's really more about Godzilla. Yeah. Like Godzilla is your main character, but they're trying to give you, cause he doesn't speak or, you know, learn sign language or you know write or tweet or anything so (laughs) you can't get character development that way so they sort of do it by framing him against human characters sure um and they they you know there's some of that in some of the old original godzilla stuff Mm -hmm. but this especially you know it's like i said it it sort of feels like evangelion and Mm -hmm. i mean there's a million mac macross and you know all those giant mech things but like Evangelion especially is like entirely about the psychological like damage and weight of like being the people who can pilot these things to fight against, you know, inconceivable cosmic horror monsters. Um, And, you know, it would have been nice to get a little bit more of that. And so, I I mean, I think that... Yeah, even more, like, wear on the pilots and stuff, or or maybe, like, a little bit more world-building of, like, what being drift-compatible and working with somebody in that way does to yourself and your relationship. That's not addressed at all, really. Well... I th- what what I know about Guillermo del Toro yeah. is he probably has several books oh, yeah. <laughs> of handwritten concepts that like apply directly to this. Mm-hmm. And he was probably like, cool, if this, you know, gets picked up and they want to give me the money to do sequels and I can, you know, squeeze it into my schedule because I'm an ambitious man. Yeah. Um, Here's all then, the spaces we can play in. Right, yeah. exactly. And like, here, we'll we'll pay some, you know, we'll, we'll lay some track here, but like, we don't have to explain all of it yet because maybe we can do it in the future. Right. And then also like, yeah, you do want to leave room for like additional concepts and innovation and things that fit future storylines that you don't even know right. about yet because you haven't, you know, you haven't right. worked on it. So I get it, but yeah, but no, I, I agree with yeah. you. I think it would have been like it would have been great if this was just like a shade or two darker, yeah, and a little bit more grounded because yep, it, it would have you know made us really care about the characters. Yes, yeah, they end up not being too far divorced from all the little action figure toys that get made about them. Yeah, you I mean, know, yeah, I mean that's that's you what know. it turns it into. At right, that point. but yeah. I mean, is that not the commentary of the film? Yeah. But yeah, so Raleigh, Wall of Life, and 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 everything, and you can't just yeah. say those words; they don't know what that is. Well, oh yeah, okay. So the Wall of Life is what they call the wall yeah. that they're going to build around uh, the 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 kaiju hole. Yeah. Um, Gross. The kaiju toilet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. He gets approached by Idris Elba, who's like, "Hey, I'm going to make this last ditch effort to actually destroy the breach." which I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, they're going to put a crazy bomb down there to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And that will protect the world because this dumb wall thing is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's the plot. Like the rest of the movie is in service of that. There's yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, we meet some scientists uh, played by Charlie Day. And um, what's the other guy's name? Bern Gorm? Yeah. Right? Yes. He's from... Uh, Gorman. Gorman. He's from Torchwood. I know him from yep, Torchwood, where he kind of plays the bad guy, the bad boy. Mm-hmm. 
He's kind of like a horn dog bad boy kind yeah. of. And I was like, that's so funny because in this he's like, oh yes, more, um, super, yeah. very proper, yes. Yeah, and he's Charlie extremely Day is... British and crazy, and Charlie Day is American and crazy, but not the way that Charlie usually. No, no, he's plays. not um, as, like, as disheveled. He's like a mad yeah, scientist kind yeah, of prototype. Yeah, well, I was good. I described it to uh, you know when I was talking about it with Chris. I'm like, yeah, Charlie Day usually plays like insane dirtbag. Yeah, and now he's insane scientist and it's like a definitely a, a distinctly different flavor but it's very good yeah he's yeah. Real, and he's really funny i remember a little bit of backlash when the when this movie was announced and the cast was announced and people were like "Ugh, like charlie day is going to be in this movie it's going to be so dumb or what and i was like a you don't know what the movie is yeah. b del toro movies have humor in them yeah and c like yeah, shut I, up i thought he was a perfect fit and he's um, great he's his character is really interesting jack black in the king kong movie did that for me as well where i was like oh he's gonna be in this and then he's he, he oh yeah he, he nails it yeah yeah you know it's a different role it's a different yeah. kind of role yeah no yeah. i know but so like that's but that that was like the same thing where i'm like oh i know how this guy usually acts and the characters usually plays and he's kind of stepped out of that in service of this crazy monster movie and i love all of that yeah i like when people reach and i like it when they do it on projects that are kind of fun yeah so yeah there's a subplot where Dueling scientific yeah, theories. Yeah, what's, what's Bern Gorman's name? Bern Gorman, uh... What's his name? Oh, I... Okay, hang on. Um, hold on, hold on, I got it in here. Gottlieb. Gottlieb. So Gottlieb's whole thing is the... he He's hung up on the science and the details, and he's like, you know, he's the one who's been tracking the, um, the, the speed at which yeah. the kaiju have been coming through, and he's like, you know... I'm predicting that, you know, within X amount of weeks, like, we will see a double event, and then after that, a triple event, which means two kaiju are going to come through at one time, and then three. And, you know, that's all the more reason for Idris Elba to be like, okay, well, we have to do this now, then. Mm -hmm. um, Further, they're, you know, trying to, they have, like, a whole thing of, like, oh, like, the, the breach, you know, is unstable until, and then it stabilizes for them to, like, come, come through, through yeah. and stuff. And yeah, so that's they, the opportunity to actually send anything back through. And yeah. so. And they've mentioned that, like, they've tried to do stuff to the breach before and it hasn't worked for whatever reason. They don't really know what the reason is. Right. Um, meanwhile, Charlie Day plays Newt. He is like a kaiju fanboy. That's yep. he's got tattoos of the kaiju yep. like on his forearms. Yeah, which that's also some cool it's great. character design. Um, um and you know he's got all, a collection of all these parts. Yeah, he's he's been like because kaiju parts are like illegal to own and get and whatever like we mentioned there's a black market. So he's got a piece of a kaiju brain. Um there's they explain that like it takes so long to get through the uh skull and everything that by the time they do the brain has rotted mm -hmm. but kaiju are so large that they like dinosaurs put a pin in that like dinosaurs they need a secondary brain to help them you know function and the secondary brain's easier to reach um so he has a part of a secondary brain and he builds his own drift machine a neural link um and tries to link with it to see what he can learn yeah well he first suggests doing this and they say that he's crazy and it's right. not going to happen so then he does it anyway because science yeah well uh <laughs> yeah gottlieb says like no, if you do that you'll die yeah, and he goes yeah man or i'll be a rock star <laughs> which is I mean, he just say he is like he's just so he's so charming yeah he just has like charisma man yep. like and he makes mm -hmm. all these lines that like would probably be insufferable with some other actors yeah 
that would be up for that role. Like, he just makes them all land really well. Right. Well, it's because he's got the energy for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that it's that manic kind of thing, just channeled a little bit differently. It's puppy energy. Yeah, he's got very like puppy dog. Like he's like, yeah, man. Like, don't you want to be a rock star? Yeah. Don't you want to do this and, crazy and it, mad science thing? And, it and works like, here yeah. because if you've ever talked to a nerd, yeah, they get very into what they're saying. Yeah, um, it's it's a passion project, and you know, and he's out here living his dreams, and so yeah, every day is you know a great day. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's literally elbow deep in the shit he is obsessed with. Yeah, he's throwing. Kaiju entrails all across the room. If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. That's true. That's def- the person that coined that phrase is definitely elbow deep in uh, other dimensional monster guts. Uh-huh. Um, he tries it the first time and it works and he like learns a little bit about the the rift. Let's see thing is he has the theory also that there is like some cloning going on. Yeah, because... he has like some uh f- like flesh yeah. The, from a recent kaiju and then one from like... Six years ago. Six years ago. Six months ago or something. It's but six yeah. years ago. Okay. And he's like, it's the same. And he's like, I think it's the same. He's like, you know, they're not that different. Yeah. He's like, you know, they're not... He's like, one looks like a shark and one looks like a fish. He's like, they're all like different but not that different. Yeah. And he's like, there should be, you know, more variants. Yeah. But he thinks his, his theory is that they're clones. Yeah. And when he does this initial link, he realizes they are clones. Yeah. And that there are, like, it's another, like we mentioned, an alien race that is, like, doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. And that every time they, you know, they're they're somehow able to see how well their monster does. Yeah. And then they tweak the formula a little. Yeah. And see if the next one does better. Yeah. Well, and, and I think also in this link, he realizes that they're a hive mind as well. So yes. So when... Yeah. You know, when what something happens to the one... thinks or sees right. than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is not a foreign concept because of the neural link. That's basically you're doing a short, short wave hive mind. You're yeah. two, two people sharing mind as opposed to mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah. Right. Um, which I again mean, is a, a detail that I missed like the first time watching it where I was like, oh, I was like, I guess they just know how the kaiju, you know, what happened. But it's like, oh, the, the hive mind thing makes yeah. sense. Yeah. After he does it and he gets these results and he talks to uh, Idris Elba, Idris Elba's like, okay. I'm going to put you in touch with a guy who can get you a kaiju brain. Do it again. Yeah, he's like, you have to do it again, but with a full brain, like a full uh, secondary brain, uh-huh. not, not a part of Yeah, because, yeah, he has a part and, you know, and it fried the brain or whatever. Yeah, so. and it yeah. fucked him up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, you know that uh, thing that Hunter was talking about, about the guy controlling the arm and then he's all fucked up? Yeah, it's that, but yeah. Charlie Day, yeah, bleeding yeah. from his nose with b- burst blood vessels. Um, yeah. So the guy is Hannibal Chow. Yeah. Played by Ron Perlman. Yep. And when they mentioned, like, when, when it just was like, I'm going to put you on to a guy. I was like, oh, right. Ron Perlman's in this movie. I had totally forgotten. Yeah. It's my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite. I was like, Hannibal Chow. Ron Perlman's playing a man named Hannibal Chow. And then when Charlie Day shows up and finally meets him, he's like, are you Hannibal Chow? And he's like, yeah, you like it? He's like, you like the name? I named myself after my favorite historical character and my favorite Szechuan place in New York. Second favorite. Oh, is it second favorite? Okay. Szechuan place in, I don't, yeah, my been Brooklyn. New York, my been, yeah, Brooklyn, something, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and I was like, that's so funny. Yep. It's such a good character detail. Yep. He also looks like he stepped out of the He's cyberpunk the or whatever. Ever. 
stuff. Oh, Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, yeah, where like he's got a very loud suit on. He's got like the uh, you his know, shoes are gold plated. Yeah, like cowboy boots. Yeah, like, ankle high like that cut though. Yeah. Um, he's got like little Vash the Stampede type glasses. Yep. He looks great. He's got like hella grills. Yeah, yeah, and he's also Ron Perlman. He's also Ron Perlman. Like, God, he's just the like, coolest. It is. It's not that he's chewing the scenery; his outfit is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, but he he makes a meal out of oh, the, his scenes. Oh, it's still good. Like, yeah, every time. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's also a very big guy where he yeah. didn't like like both in acting and in physicality yeah. that like he didn't get swallowed up by all of the trappings that they put on him. No, no, yeah. Oh, no, and he... then he's got a gold-plated butterfly knife, too. Yeah. <laughs> but he just wings around. It's ridiculous. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's exceptional. So it's a whole back alley operation and yeah. secret doors and shit. And, you know. Yeah, and he's the one who's like, wait, you drifted with a kaiju brain? And he's like, they have a hive mind. And he's like, you know what happens when you, like, do a neural, you know, neural net, like, neural handshake with another mind is like it goes both ways and he's like and they have a hive mind you said that yourself he's like so now all the kaiju are coming for you Mm -hmm. um and then that's when we have our double event and one of the kaiju makes landfall and hannibal throws charlie day out ron perlman throws charlie day out and he's like i'm gonna go to my private kaiju bunker and you're gonna go to one of the public bunkers and, you know, he goes, like, I, he's like, I did that once. And then he takes his glasses off and, like, under his glasses, his one eye has been, like, mangled. Yeah. And he's all scarred up. And he's like, once. Yeah. And then Charlie Day ends up having to go hide in a kaiju shelter. And the kaiju comes for him. And uh, he gets rescued. Yeah. Uh, by, uh, Gypsy Danger. by Gypsy Danger. And then he goes back to Ron Perlman and is like, yo, there's a dead-ass kaiju out there and you're going to get me that brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Meanwhile... That's our, like, uh, on the old Transformers show, when they would go from, like, one, like, scene, like, one area to another, like, oh, we'll see what the good guys are doing, we'll see what the bad guys are doing, we'll see what the away team is doing. Mm -hmm. They would play that little music sting of, like, do-do-do-do-do-do, and the, yeah. yeah. So that's our, that's the theme for the, the, from the movie. Um, Which, I mean, also, the music... And sound design stuff in this is decent as well. Yeah, sound design's really cool. Mm-hmm. It takes until, like, the final, I think, battle. But there's, like, um, some, like, the kaiju hitting Gypsy Danger with, uh, like, a crane. And Gypsy Danger picks up, like, a, a bunch boat, of... Um, ship. Oh, the shipping containers. Shipping containers and yeah. uses them, like, like just holds them in their hands to like, give, like, extra weight. Yeah, and like it's a, just, like... Like a brass knuckle. Yeah, kind of, kind of thing, thing. And is, yeah. like, just, like, smashing the thing. But they added, like... There's weird sound effects for the shipping containers. Like, it kind of sounds like Breaking China. Mm. Like, mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's this weird, like, like shattery kind of... Stuff, which I was like, that's so cool and what a weird sound. Yeah. I really like that. Um, but, yeah, the theme for this movie is great. I I don't I don't know like it's one of the things that at any time any place if you're like Hunter how does the theme to you know Pacific Rim go I'd be able to be like uh like I can just remember that little like hook yeah and it's really it's up there with like Jurassic Park uh huh and and the I guess the Transformers the old Transformers sting of just like things that have earwormed their way into my brain more than like a lot of other themes mm-hmm. and stuff do. Yeah. Because I'll be watching a movie and be like, oh, I recognize this musical, like, motif that they 
use in different places, you know. Yeah. But for whatever reason, this one is just like this is just perfect. Works yeah. works so well for this. Yeah, it's upbeat and like I don't know, um, because it's ascendant, but it's also a little techy, but it's also a little like actiony. Yeah, and they slow so, it down. Yeah, it can be pensive. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, it's cool though. I, I really like mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah. So meanwhile, the whole thing is that you know, Charlie Hunnam is like, my brother's dead. I don't want to. You know, well, I, I I won't be able to be well, yeah, a. They've Yager. they've refurbed B- Gypsy Danger. Sure. Uh, and she's a Mach three uh, Jaeger, and so there aren't any Mach three pilots left aside from Raleigh. Yeah. Because everybody else is dead. Yeah. So. He's the guy for this, and uh, yeah, if they're gonna they get, get anybody, him, yeah, yeah, but they but, need to get him a new partner, right? But his thing is like, I can't do that again. Like, you know, he's like, my brother and I were linked when he died. Yeah, which I mean, that's just a a smidgen of the kind of shit that I want, <laughs> right? And like, yeah, exactly. But he's like, you know, my brother and I were linked when he died, and he's like, I was still, you know, he was in my head, I was in his, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like, and he's like, I can't do that again, and that's when. Uh, Idris Elba's like, you're the only pilot we've got. You need to do this, and we need to find you, you know, a co-pilot. So then he introduces, uh, her name is Maki, right? Mako. Mako. Mako Mori. Mako Mori, yeah. Uh, um, played by uh, Rinko Kikuchi. So he introduces her. She's like, Idris Elba's like, you know, right-hand assistant kind of thing. She's... In yeah. charge of like, I mean, you, know, you kind of find out later she's almost a yeah. daughter surrogate. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna get to that. Okay, sorry, but I'm just saying for right now, for this uh, this one scene, like she seems to be his like, yeah, yeah. Well, and she's like, uh, in in terms of just like doing uh, simulations and stuff, she's a very talented pilot, but she hasn't done any. Yeah, actual... she hasn't done any actual piloting. Yeah, yeah, nobody has. Yeah, there's very there's very few Jaegers left. There's, yeah, like we said, only the four. Yeah, so um. She has lined up a bunch of potential candidates to be drift compatible with Charlie Hunnam. And I guess the way they can tell that is by having a bow staff uh, stick fight. Yeah. Best of four. Yeah. And seeing how, you know, I I think it's the thing of like how well you anticipate each other's moves. Right. Shows how well you are in their head. It's not about winning. It's about how you play the game. Right. And... Charlie Hunnam makes short work of, like, guy after guy after guy after guy after guy. And then he, he you know, every time he, like, looks over at, at her and she, you know, kind of makes this little, like, hmm, hmm face. And at one point he's like... You keep making that face? Yeah, you keep making that face. What's that face about? And she's like, uh... And he's like, it's like you're disappointed in them. You think you could do better? And she's like, no, I think you could do better. I think you could take have taken each of them in at least two moves earlier. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you think you know me so well? Well, why don't you come in here and, and try me? And Idris Elba is against it. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, you know, for a while you're like, wait, why? Why, why wouldn't he want the? And, and yeah. then that's when you start to find out that yeah. he's, he's, he was piloting the Jaeger that saved her, uh, that, that, you know, killed the, the kaiju that was kind of chasing her. Yeah. Um, and killed her parents and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, it destroyed, yeah. you know, a whole bunch of the city, killed her family, and she was just like hiding out from it in, a, in an alley. And his Jaeger took it down. Yeah. And then, you know, he climbed out of the top of the Jaeger and saved her. Yeah, so he's, like, kind of protective of her. I mean, also, she's got some trauma with a lot of this stuff specifically, right. which ends up being problematic. Right. I mentioned earlier that, like, 
that's the reason that Gypsy Danger is docked for the going into the final mission. Yeah. Is that they get into the drift and she kind of has a breakdown because she gets overwhelmed by Charlie Hunnam's memories of his brother and that triggers her memories. Yeah. And then Charlie Hunnam sees part of her memories. Right. So then he kind of figures out the lay of the land of what's going on emotionally between Idris Elba and her and, right. you know. And therefore Idris Elba's reticence to let her, you know, do this. Yeah. You know, they have their stick fight and it's like one and one, like one to one to one to two to, you know, two yeah. to two to three to three. Like they're perfectly matched. And then I think she wins, right? Yeah. I think she technically wins. Yeah. She's the first to four. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. She doesn't get a lot of dialogue. She doesn't get a lot of her own development. A lot of it's more about her inspiring or creating conflict for other people. Sure. Just by existing, not even by any action that she's taken. I think they wanted a strong female character, but it's a strong female character, not actually a strong female character. Oh, yeah. She's not know? like, she's not, a, I don't think she's a strong female character. I think she's an interesting character. She's not a stock character. She's not, sure. you know. There's a lot of potential, like, to that character. Like, you know, Charlie Hunnam is a very stock character. Yeah. So is Idris Elba. They're very... Yeah, but I mean, like, they do definitely get more time to shine and more space and stuff, and she just gets a lot of meaningful looks. Again, I I feel like that was a thing where it's like, oh, obviously they're going to do more in future installments. And I don't even know, like, does anybody, do you know, does anybody come back for the sequel? I don't think so. Yeah, it's like nobody, right? Yeah, because uh, I think it was 2018. Um, that sounds right. Oh, and there's an animated series. But yeah, so specifically the the, the, the film sequel, yeah, live action the, sequel, yeah. is Pacific Rim Uprising, Uprising 2018. Yeah. You got talking to the mic, dude. Uh, oh, uh, oh, no. Uh, Riku Kikuchi comes back as Mako Mori. I don't oh. know. Uh, oh. And Charlie Day also returns. And, oh, really? and Bern Gorman is also. Oh, okay. So, a uh, couple... Okay. But it looks like they have a, a new crop of young pilots or something. Yeah, who's the... Uh, it's John Boyega. Um, oh, yeah, I did know yep. that. That's a bummer. <laughs> yep. And uh, Scott Eastwood. Oh. And Kaylee Spaney. I don't know who that is. Uh, no. Oh, she's in, like, The Craft Legacy, and she's in Bad Times at the El Royale, which we saw. Yeah. Um. Sure. Okay. And, yeah. So, you know, but yeah. A lot of, lot Scott of... Eastwood, of course. Clint Eastwood's son. Yeah. He's in, uh, I think he's in the Suicide Squad movies. Mm. Yeah, but so, I mean, we didn't watch Pacific Rim Uprising ever, no, so no, I don't no. know. What... I have no desire to yeah. see that. It has nothing that I need, I think. Yeah. Well, and, you know, yeah, it looks um, more more middling. I don't know who was involved in that, uh, directorially speaking. Oh, uh, Stephen DeKnight. Oh, that's a name I know. Mm-hmm. I think he did Buffy. Not like the movie, but I think he worked on the TV show. Anyway, so they, yeah, they, they, uh, make Mako and Raleigh, yeah, are, are trying to drift. They're doing kind of a test run. Um, and she almost fires Gypsy's cannon. Yeah, like in the which docks that, or whatever. That was a little funny to me because, like, they kind of do like a runaway, and I'm like, where the fuck are you going to Go, run yeah. to? Like,. <laughs> it's a plasma cannon. Yeah. Like, everybody's fucked in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess you could run parallel to it. I don't know, man. Run like, behind it. You're you're <laughs> in, like, a, a bunker building, just, you know, a bunch of concrete and right, stuff. Right, go to the east wing. Yeah, no, I think everybody's <sighs> fucked. 
at that point. But yeah, no, they're good. Anyway, they do manage to stop it before everybody dies, so that part's cool. But then, uh, you know, yeah, uh, she starts to have like a panic Pencost attack. Pencost puts the kibosh that. on all of that, yeah, and is like, okay, it's just gonna be these three going. It's not, you know. Yeah, and that's we, you know, we head out. There's the two kaiju, uh, as we mentioned. One makes landfall and goes after Charlie Day, and then you know that gets killed. And they do that. He does the like on-site link up with its brain, but it's him and Burn Gorman who's like, "I'm gonna do this with you." It's not what that kaiju's brain. It's that kaiju's baby's brain. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. They get inside. Okay, so they send a team inside. Well, Ron, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman sends yeah. his team of. of you know, Black scrappers. Scavenger. Yeah, scrappers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Into Good. the into the guts of this thing, and they're like, "Oh, the secondary brain was damaged. It's got a big old like slice in it." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Shit!" And then they hear a heartbeat, and it turns out that the, and this is one of those things where I'm like, "Wait, what? Is the clone? Yeah, the clone is pregnant. Yeah, what was probably impregnated? Yeah, when? Why? What? But it's they they they're just on like a." conveyor belt like terminators and they drop them into the breach and then they show up in the ocean and it's pregnant are all the then all the kaiju would be pregnant they're clones maybe nature found a way (laughs) (laughs) i don't know no i mean it's just one of those things where i'm like wait what please explain this to me and nobody does i'm like all right yeah i'm in a too late too late to leave the movie twist but yeah um yeah, no, it's pregnant. Um, the fetus, like uh, the baby. He, okay. Don't call it a fetus. That's All right. that's weirdly grosser. Well, I mean, that's the thing is it, it can't really survive. Yeah. Outside. Well, its lungs are undeveloped, uh, yeah. especially for our atmosphere, and yeah. it comes out. But it does manage to eat, eat Ron, Ron Perlman, Perlman. <laughs> <And> <laughs> while he's. It's literally the murder. It's the Samuel L. Jackson murder from Deep Blue Sea, oh, or yeah. as I called it in my notes, Deep Kaiju Blue Sea. Oh. Very good. Thank you. Also, he loses one of his gold-ass plated shoes. Yeah, which Charlie Day picks up, and I would too. Yeah. I hope in the- Gold's in... not worth nothing, you guys. So since I'm never going to watch uh, Uprising, let's make a bunch of predictions for what happens in it. I hope at one point the reveal that Charlie Day is in the movie is like somebody goes, well, I know who we need to talk to, and then it cuts to like an office with like- the like mad sciencey like lit you know two like containers with pieces uh-huh. in them and stuff they're all different colored liquids and stuff and the chair's got its back to the camera and he turns around and it's Charlie Day and he's grizzled and then at one point in that scene he goes like this is the shoe of the bravest man I ever met <laughs> <laughs> and he's just got the shoe in like a little fucking lucite box like it's a signed baseball <laughs> oh see I thought I thought he was gonna be in a darkened office. And you see somebody leaning back in their chair with one boot up on the desk, and it's the boot, but then when you get more light on it, it's Charlie Day wearing it, and they, his other foot's just got, like, a loafer. <laughs> a, a fucking yeah. Chuck Taylor. Yeah, he walks around like, shthunk, shthunk. Because <laughs> also, gold's not light, people. <laughs> oh, that's funny. See? These are good predictions for the movie we'll never see. Yeah. A cut to... Uh, Cut to the future when we're definitely you, doing this episode. Did you see on... the little after credit sequence where Ron comes back? Wait, what? There's a there's a mid credit sequence. Oh where... no, you were downstairs when I turned it off. I, oh, I just turned it off. I was in the kitchen. Oh no. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so we get some of the credits, and then uh, there's a mid credit. I don't remember. Yeah, this Yeah, there's at all. a mid credit thing where 
Yeah, where Ron, with his, like, gold-ass knife... Butterfly cuts knife. His, yeah, butterfly knife cuts his way out of the baby. Well, you think maybe it's not really dead, but then, like, it's he's cutting himself out of the baby. Okay. And just goes, where's my goddamn shoe? No. And then it's additional credits, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yep. Oh, that's cool. But he's not in the uprising? No. no. That's a waste. No, he's got other shit to do. Yeah, he's well, he's not going back because they, they didn't have Guillermo. Yeah. He's like, he's like, why am I going to do this? Yeah, ride or die. Yeah, he's like, why would I do this? I have Scorpion King sequels to appear in. <laughs> yeah. We watched uh, all the Scorpions Kings. Yeah. And, we're probably um, not going to talk about that, but you know. No, it's a, I mean, like your mileage is going to vary depending on how much you like sword and sandals type stuff. Yeah. Um, if you like the Conan stories and you mm-hmm. liked Hercules, the legendary journeys, yep. there's and some Zena, stuff. Warrior princess. Sure. There's some stuff to be found in, in those scorpion king movies that are that are kind of fun but uh overall it's a roller coaster of quality yes um but ron perlman does appear in like two of them yeah so that's cool where were we uh, yeah so they do their their mind uh their, their neural link with the yeah. baby's uh yeah. brain yeah gottlieb's like i'm gonna do it with you we'll share the neural load and that way it won't kill you yeah because they yeah, because it, it might yeah because yeah. uh newt is not in a good way <laughs> no no he's had a day <laughs> yeah um um and what are they so what specifically do they find out from this is this when they find out that the they find out the way the breach works yes which they explain is like a barcode scanner yes at a, at a supermarket where um the breach if, reads the genetic signature of the kaiju and so if anything that is not a kaiju tries to come through the breach won't open and that's why all the previous attempts to damage the breach in any way have failed right because nothing gets in that's not a kaiju yes so, yeah, in the final, like, fight, Gypsy Danger takes one of the kaiju, like, corpses. Well, was gonna, and then the level five comes back, and so then they ride that bitch to hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They ride that bitch to hell. Yeah. Allison, you cool. It's a quote for a bumper sticker. <laughs> I, I really, I'm gonna mock no, up. no, seriously. It's... I'm gonna mock up a poster for this movie that's... <laughs> It's like Pacific Rim, Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim. They ride that bitch to hell, Allison. You cool? It's the it's it's the most metal thing that happens. They it's drop cool. that the corpse of that thing's dead friend to yeah. then take it, yeah. <laughs> to blow up everything. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's very good. It's good, man. Yeah, yeah. And then they blow it up. It's like Independence Day. It literally it like remember the scene in Independence Day? See our Independence Day episode. I believe it's thirty two with guest Celso. He's on it. That sounds so late. I guess. What number can... do you think it is? I have no idea. Pick a number. Let's <laughs> let's let's see if I'm right. Let's see who's right. I'm gonna go to the archives. Uh eighteen. Oh, definitely no. not. No, I know. So yeah. you're just throwing no. the match. Wait, I have it here. It's one of my earliest things. It's thirty-two. Hell yeah. Oh, good God. God, I'm good. Uh. Oh, what a long way we've come. Yeah. So Celso is our guest on that one. Uh, that's yeah. A good episode. Hi, um, buddy. Hey, pal. So yeah, the scene in Independence Day when. Uh, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum think that the the lock won't disengage and that they're stuck there while the uh, the bomb goes off and they're yeah. going to die in space. Yeah. And they just light their, they put their cigars in their mouths and they're like, yeah, see you later, huh? goodbye. Huh? And then uh, the, you know, little alien in the booth is looking at them. Mm-hmm. This is a lot like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Charlie Hunnam ejector pods his way back up through the breach mm-hmm. and the bomb goes off and then they're all obliterated so mm-hmm. i mean i guess they weren't though or there was more of them or it's another yeah something because uprising uprising happened mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, that's the movie. Uh, so yeah, what what, uh, what kind of details we want to get into here? So this movie doesn't have a lot of great lines, but it has a couple of great lines. A lot of them are Charlie Day, though. Not for me. No? No. Um, my favorite... My favorite isn't Charlie Day, but it is about yeah. Charlie Day. Yeah. Uh, one. Of, okay, so the first one that I was like, that's a good line, is when they're building the wall and they show on the television screens the, the breach Yeah. There was the a breach in Australia yeah. um, you can by hear... like, a monster that has like a big axe for yeah. a face that just jams its face through the wall. Yeah. You can hear a voiceover in the background of somebody going, why are we even building this wall then? Which yeah. I was like, uh, Good point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that, I, yeah. I, yeah. Like that's, that's just, it's just a voiceover yeah, it's line, ADR. but it's very funny. Why are we even building this wall then? Yeah. That rumble, was, rumble, rumble. Yeah. So that was good. Um, yeah, that was good. So I like the father of the Australian team, Herc. Herc, yeah. When Crimson Typhoon and Cher- Cherno Alpha get destroyed and stuff, and they're still trying to like keep the kaiju from making landfall, so there's a whole thing where like one of them has an EMP power and it cuts yeah. off everything. Herc has this line, you know, we're the only thing standing between the kaiju and the city now. Uh, do you want to give up or do you want to take these flare guns and do something really stupid? Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Um, and they literally, they climb out the hatch on top of the robot. Yeah. And they just shoot flare guns into the face of this enormous fucking monster. Yep. And then they're like, well, we're <laughs> about to die. And that's when uh, the uh, they, ju- they drop Gypsy Danger in from the helicopters. So it's just like a ton of helicopters carrying Gypsy Danger on cables, which is like a thing they kind of do in yeah. the old um, Godzilla vs. Kong, yeah. which they reference in the new one yeah. of like carrying Kong in a giant net. Yeah, it's well, like that. and I mean, because, like, you know, they're big, heavy machines, so first off, you're probably damaging a bunch of stuff around it just by walking around, and then also it's not moving as fast as if you get airlifted in. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, drop. it's a fantasy yeah. crazy robot, yeah. like, giant fighting thing, so they could have given it rocket boots or whatever. Sure, but this But is they more didn't. Fun. It feels <laughs> it feels cooler somehow that it's not cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It feels more, like, authentic and military that it's like, all right, everybody fly that yeah. giant robot into the field. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think those were, like, my two top. And then, I mean, just, like, you know, little world-building things. Like, uh, when Charlie's going to meet Ron Perlman, it's in the Bone Slums. Which are just specifically, like, an area that's built around, like, a kaiju carcass. Yeah. So, like, that's that's the kind of stuff that, you know, that I'm here for. There's uh, a book, I know you know it, Mm -hmm. um, called Perdido Street Station. Yeah. uh, By China Myville. Yeah, who... if you ever want to see somebody that is horny for language, oh, look up God. this author, because he will use words you didn't even know existed, and you're going to look them up, and it's going to be something so specific that he must have crafted this whole scene around using that word. Well, uh, my, yeah, <laughs> he also is somebody who, yes, loves language and loves naming stuff, Yeah, like myself and Guillermo del Toro, so yeah. relevant. Yeah. Um, there's a, he has a whole a book about a whole fleet of ships that are all like lashed together. Is that the scar? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go into it super, all right. but at one point describing the lay of the land, you know, it's talking about like this ship is lashed to this one. It's attached to this one and you know, the height, diff- whatever. Mm-hmm. And like just the names of the ships, you know, it's like some of them, you know, it, 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 they're not all named with like the same naming conventions. Cause why would they be? They're all different things from all different places. And one of them is just called like the Therianthrope. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's just a word he likes that yeah. he was like, I don't know where the fuck I'm going to put this in otherwise. So here you go. And I was like, that's a yeah. me move. Uh-huh. <laughs> Weep. Yeah. And like, I love that stuff. Um, 
Yeah, he's uh, one of my favorite authors. But anyway. Yeah, uh, no, he's wonderful. In Pretty Doe Street Station, there's a whole thing where part of the that town, is, part of that city is like built through the remains of some long dead monster. Um, and I think that part of town is just called The Ribs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Um, and I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so shout out to China Myville. Yeah. One of my favorite authors, China Myville, if you ever want to come on the podcast, oh. please don't because I won't be able to do it. <laughs> The whole time I'll just be like, can you just talk about words for a while? Hey, can we talk about books? Oh, boy. And people will be like, this is the worst movie podcast ever. You're talking about books. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck books. But, Fuck um. Read, uh, Chai Myville, also yeah. Perdido Street Station. Yeah, I, Specifically, I cannot recommend like... Perdido enough. Anyway. Yeah. Um, my favorite line, probably in the whole movie, is, uh, Bern Gorman. He, he, like, explains what happened to charlie day and he goes newton created <laughs> newton created a neural drift from garbage and drifted with a kaiju and the way he says it is so goddamn good well, it's, it's just a, perfect it's, delivery yeah it's it's in like a you know very like flustered it's british accent flustered stuffy and like he's a little disproving of it yeah he's like he did this thing and he almost yeah. died <laughs> right it's great it's such a good delivery it made me laugh so hard and then of course at the end the you mentioned uh, Idris Elba's big speech, yeah, which ends with the like reveal that I mean I guess somebody went through the apocalypse's old tweets and found some offensive things because apparently the apocalypse is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the look on your face was worth that horrible joke. <laughs> oh boy, I. Now it's a good speech. I remember. Um, mm. I feel like I took a blindfolded walk around the garden with you <laughs> to get to this thing. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> it remember... was a short walk, but I didn't see it coming. That's right. Um, I remember uh, some interview with Idris Elba. I think it's like a, I think I remember watching an interview, not reading one, where um, they asked him like, "How was your experience on Pacific Rim?" And he's like, "You know, I get to do." He's like, "I get to yell a lot, he's yeah. like, which is always fun." And he's like, "And I get to give a really big, you know, really great speech." Yeah. Uh, and he's like, he's like, so I just had a lot of fun. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Like, he, and it's true. He's, there's yeah. a lot of yelling in this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, cause. From him. Yeah. I, I first saw Idris Elba and Luther. Oh I think yeah. That's where a lot of people saw him. And yeah, he can go from zero to 60 and have it be very convincing. And so he's great at these like explosive. Yeah. He's just a dude. You know. that he has presence. Yes. Uh, it's that Jack Donaghy joke from 30 Rock where he's mm-hmm. like, you know, Jack Welch taught me how to command a room with my voice. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of what yeah. Elba does all the time. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's what you bring him in for. He does this and he does it very well. And, you know, n- absolutely no complaints. Perfect casting. Oh, you yeah, know, no. Wonderful job. Dude, yeah. He should be, dude should work as much as he wants to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever. Idris Elba, you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> oh boy <laughs> uh, but i mean also like you know he he did that little stint on uh the office and stuff yep. and it's very understated it's great it's so funny i know because he plays it so straight yeah he spends like i'd say 80 percent of his time on the office just looking like baffledly at the characters of the office yeah it's great yeah yeah no it's a very yeah because he could have gone bigger he could have gone you know yeah but no he was uh is he right after Will Ferrell is that? Is I he, think so. Is he who comes in to replace Will Ferrell? I think so. And that's great because Will Ferrell's character is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's a big swing performance, and it's a weird character. And then, well, like, he wasn't gonna do that. No, though, you know, know, but like, <laughs> Will Ferrell doesn't always. 
No. He's played the straight but man that's, stuff. But, but like, that's usually uh, like passion projects kind of things that he's doing. I get. I mean, like, I don't want I'm, I'm, right. I'm not prepared to dive into the filmography okay. of Will Ferrell. But, sure. like, he could have just played, like, awkward, nerdy, like, man-child. Yeah. True, true. Which is what he defaults to in a lot of things. But he made, like, a weird whole character. Well, because he needs to be very much a Michael, but without being Michael. Right. But he made a totally, you know, a whole character for his two episodes or whatever it is. And then Idris Elba comes in as, like, not a goofy character. Not a guy that's, like, punny. Not a guy that, like, delivers one-liners. Right. All his humor comes through in his reactions and things. And it's great. Yeah. The ultimate street man to yeah. this bowl of mixed nuts that you've been watching for several seasons. <laughs> yup. Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else specifically you want to talk about from this? Oh, I like, um, again, world building thing, a detail I like. Charlie Hunnam tells um, uh, Mako, don't chase the rabbit. And she like looks at him and he goes, random access brain impulse triggers, memories. So I oh, like. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that it was a uh, acronym. Yeah. That's really, yeah, I missed that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was like, oh, it's just, you know, it's it's vernacular and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, Alice in Wonderland and everything. Right. And, you know. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah like I, that's good world building. Yeah. That I that's that's the first time watching it this time this morning was the first time I caught that. Oh boy. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Oh, so I mentioned to put a pin in the dinosaurs having two brains. Uh huh. Um, turns out dinosaurs were the first attempt by this alien race to colonize uh, the planet. Mm -hmm. um, but the atmosphere wasn't you know, conducive to their biology mm -hmm. and the dinosaurs died out. Yep. They need much more CO2 and everything. Yeah. Than, and than we, we have, and uh, I think it's, is it Newt? Is it Charlie Day? I think Yeah, he's like, we basically terraform the planet for them Yeah, via pollution. Yep. Um, which, which is a bummer, <laughs> but also <laughs> but, is really getting into a lot of like the environmentalism that you see in Godzilla, Godzilla movies. Yeah. So again, just very, genre savvy yeah, stuff i wish it was more of a thing yes well there's, again again yeah. again i mean it's, mm -hmm. it's i'm just piggybacking on what you said i wish these themes that are better woven into even godzilla movie even the sillier godzilla movies there's just like because the because the sillier godzilla movies are a part of the larger franchise mm -hmm. and are treated all as canon yeah. Then the, you know, ones that have more, you know, an even hand and are more straight faced and have these themes better woven into them. It's still present. Yes. Even though like, you know, Godzilla's doing like a bicycle kick or whatever. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And again, it's probably something that you could have gotten more of had this been a, a larger franchise. franchise. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, again, I, I feel like this, I would love to talk to Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo, if you ever want to come on the podcast just about like what the process was like for this movie. Cause it's a huge, it's way bigger than his other movies. Mm -hmm. Just like effects wise. Some of them. Yeah. He does a lot of practical effects, smaller things. Like he's like, yeah. Oh, we're going to build a whole house. But like, you know, there will be CG. There will be all these things, but like, you're not, you know, like I would like, I don't know what you think. Half this movie is CG or a, a third. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell. There's also, again, like, they they did a lot of like miniatures yeah. and models and so, stuff. Okay, and I'm then sorry, I don't mean CG. Did... I mean like effects shots. Sure. Whereas I don't think any of his movies have nearly as many purely effects shots as this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there are shots augmented yeah. by effects. Oh, you blue screen this thing. You did that. You did whatever. Yeah, I mean, but this is Hellboy's a very. He's got a lot going on in terms of yeah. like you know props, costume, uh, you know, backgrounds, like all kinds of stuff like that. So, right, but there's I mean, actors yeah. in them. 
Yeah. And what I'm saying is like, these are, there's a lot of like, whether it's miniatures or CG or whatever, it's like, there's no humans in this scene. Sure. You know, it's two monsters. It's a giant monster fighting a giant robot in the harbor. Like, there's no people there. Right. So, it just feels like it was bigger, more expensive. I'd love to know what the process was like for, you know, this. Like, were there a lot of studio notes, you know? Was there a lot of conditional funding? Like, I have no idea how that stuff works, mm-hmm. but I've heard things. So, I was just, yeah, I would love to know. But, yeah. Um, also, I so the thing that you saw me react to, I was, like, kind of scanning through some of the, like trivias and stuff while we were getting set up and apparently they had done mock-ups like and and like concept for like a hundred kaijus and kind of winnowed it down to like a dozen maybe yeah uh and would have like sort of like head-to-heads uh among the creative staff of people voting for their favorites and stuff to, to figure that out and so i mean same thing with like the suits they did a bunch of stuff that yeah, didn't yeah. all wind up on screen yeah let's talk briefly about the um the design for the jaegers yeah so both gypsy danger and um striker eureka are kind of like your hero like mm-hmm. design like they they look kind of like knights yeah like it's a very like pretty sleek yeah you know humanoid looking thing yeah yeah, very like uh, uh, Macross. I, I mentioned earlier, like mm-hmm. kind of Macrossy. Uh, Macross even looks a little bulkier. Um, the Cherno thought... Alpha is very boxy, bulky. Looks like you know Soviet, like because they're they're Russian. It looks like yeah. old Soviet, like you know, uh, brutalist architecture kind of. Yeah, you know? its face looks like a boat. Yeah, its face <laughs> looks like a boat. It kind of has like. Um, like uh sort of like cossack looking like oh yeah it's um it's like torso has a weird sort of scoop yeah w- which kind of looks maybe like um uh, nuclear towers but mm-hmm. gives it that sort of like cossack like skirted belted look mm-hmm. just to the silhouette yeah um yeah its forearms are like just straight up boxes like it's cool it's it's you know it, it mm-hmm. reads from a distance as russian you yeah. know and then um, Crimson, Crimson Typhoon. Typhoon is, like, a little top-heavy, very, like, spindly. And it yeah. has three arms because mm-hmm. there are th- there's the triplets. So it's two right arms and then a left arm. Yeah. Um, so, like, the you know, you have a right and a left arm. And then, like, another arm coming out from slightly further behind on the shoulder. Yeah. And they have this one attack, which they called, like, Thundercloud yeah. Formation or yes. something, right? Yep. And all, all three hands turn into buzz saws. Yep. And they like they they're trying to slice up the kaiju. Kaiju grabs like the two hands and then they do like a fucking handstand up into the air. The robot rotates at the waist so now the legs are facing the other way away from the kaiju. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down and uses that leverage to hurl the kaiju and I was like this is all awesome. Yeah, like I said the the choreography is very interesting yeah. and and it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I knew I could describe what happened because yeah. I could see it. <laughs> Even though it's at night in the rain. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Guillermo del Toro wants you to see these things because he fucking put thought into them and they matter to him. Like, yep. the, you know, the the tactics as well as, you know, like, that wasn't just, like, an arbitrary decision, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like... Oh, well, the robot would look like this, and they could do this kind of thing, you know? Well, and I even liked that, uh, you know, that you saw a little bit of variation, aside from it just being a humanoid form, with the triplets. Yeah. Because I definitely had a thought of, like, couldn't you train people to... Because, like, they, they have a whole thing of, like, people, you know, handling different loads and stuff. And I'm like, couldn't you maybe train people to, like, 
imagine having a tail or something and and now right. you have a robot with a tail or whatever and right, right. and so you are sort of starting to see that and i'm like yeah yeah like wouldn't that be like a way to do like a human evolution is getting people to think more abstractly about their own physicality so that they're able to be better pilots in weirder configurations. Right, so you're suggesting we get furries. Oh boy, God. And Therianthropes, holy shit, I brought it in. Yeah, yeah. We get them, we put put them in the suits, and then... I guess I accidentally did that, yep. They're just like, (laughs) I can handle this because I'm used to thinking I'm a Thunder Cougar Falcon Bird. Yeah. (laughs) The one kaiju that ends up being pregnant. Uh Uh-huh. Is real okay? So the last, the last two kaiju, I don't. Uh, I think they were known as, like I said, Leatherback. I think was the one, and the one that ends up being pregnant, I think, was called Raiju, which I, I think is a Pokemon. Raichu. Oh, is it's a Raichu. Po- yeah, 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 is the evolution of Pikachu. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know that much about Pokemon. Uh, I, know. I just know Brian David Gilbert's Poke Rap, yeah. and that's where that's all I want to know. To be honest with you, big ups to Terry and him. Oh yeah. So Leatherback is kind of gorilla-ish. Like, in, in body posture and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Big forearms. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that, like, is shoving uh, Gypsy Danger, like, down the... Like, they're grappling and... Yeah, down the dock. Yeah, and it's, like, rushing him down the dock. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, fire... They're, they're just, like, firing into his abdomen, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the... When the seagull flies away. And um, Raiju initially has kind of a... It's, it's, it's also kind of simian or maybe lizardy kind of body it's got bigger forearms but they're not as big as it's kind of maybe a gibbon maybe like sort of like longer forearms with smaller back legs mm-hmm. um and it has a initially has a, like a crazy scorpion tail with like a snapping jaw on it yeah and it's got a weird like tongue or yeah it's, uh or a sense organ i'm not sure what it actually is but it's got that like bioluminescent yes. lighting to it like yeah. deep sea fish do yeah a lot of the it's a lot so of the, weird and cool like. a lot of the kaiju <laughs> yeah their mouth inside their mouths glow yeah but so uh they're fighting you know and um gypsy danger vent their coolant um, off to the left side, which is, the, you know, the, the scorpion tail is, like, wrapped around the left arm. Mm-hmm. And it freezes the scorpion tail and they break it. Yeah. Um, so then it doesn't have a tail. And then it unfurls fucking big Rodan wings. Yes. And flies them up into the, like, upper atmosphere into, like, you know, subspace. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, you know. Charlie Hunnam's like, you know, that's it. We don't have any other options. We fired all our missiles, A, B, C, whatever this thing. And, uh... Mako goes like, we have one more, you know, we have one more defense. And she hits a button just marked sword, which yeah. is right in front of them. And I was like, how did you miss that button, my dude? Here, here's, okay, I thought about it. And here's the thing. It's labeled sword and has a picture of a sword like the McDonald's cash register. Yeah. He's probably never hit that button because you don't use, like a sword is an arranged weapon. And I feel like it's safer to be launching missiles at stuff. And if that's always worked in the past, then you're never using the sword button. Right, right. I'm not saying... Never having used it before, but yeah. it's right there. He could see it. Yeah. How is he like, we don't have any more weapons? And she's like, no, no, we have sword. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Okay. But so yeah. the sword comes, it like unfolds from the forearm. Yeah, it's and a it's, chain sword like yeah. Ivy from uh, Soul, Soul Calibur. <laughs> nice reference. And yeah, oh, yeah, it like locks into place and they slice off one of the wings. Yeah. And then they it's, plummet it's, back to it's Earth. It's on like the edge of Earth's atmosphere. So it's, yeah, very anime, very, oh, yeah. yeah. It's great. Oh, God. It's, again, it's it's what you want from yeah. this kind of thing. 
They plummet back to Earth. Idris tells them that they need to, you know, vent from the chest to slow their descent. And, you know, it doesn't work great, but it works enough that... Yeah, they survive. Yeah, that they didn't flatten Hong Kong. Yeah, they didn't flatten Hong Kong. <laughs> or the, die. The, uh, you know, Gypsy Danger is still functional and yeah. they're alive. Yeah. So, that's a win. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's like, that's the best one. It has the coolest physicality. Yeah. Like, because it's very long to start with, and then when they break the tail off, you're like, okay, cool. And then it, it's like, oh, I can also fucking fly. It's just like crazy mm -hmm. it's great yeah. and it's pregnant and it has acid breath right and it has acid breath yeah it's so fucked that this movie is wild yeah <laughs> several things that it does extremely really very well some other things that maybe would have been better if this had had the opportunity to have more films in its franchise with similar quality yeah so the way this uh shakes out is um because herc and chuck um you know were like loose inside their mech suit, Herc breaks his arm. Yeah. So that makes him unable to then get back into the Jaeger to pilot it to run interference for Gypsy Danger and, and to go out and they're going to make their last, you know, shot at the breach. Yeah. Um, so Idris Elba gets, you know, back into a Jaeger. And apparently they, somebody at some point drops the line that like Charlie Hunnam is the only the second Jaeger pilot to control a Jaeger solo. Oh, yes, that's correct. Um, after his brother died, he, like we mentioned, waded back to shore and then collapsed. Uh, I think it's Herc mentions, like, you're the only the second person I've ever known to do that. Yeah. Turns out the first one was Idris Elba. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, he has radiation poisoning from it, but also, like, it did so much damage to his brain, you know. He, yeah. That's what he says, like, he's like, I was, you know, piloting it solo for three hours like to get back to whatever and he's like so for three hours i was burning yeah and i was like that's fucking chilling yeah like that's a crazy fucking line that's like i was like damn i want to know more about that so bad yeah but so he's drift compatible drift capable but it'll definitely kill him so he's gonna go in with uh chuck yeah and chuck's like how do you even know we're drift compatible and he goes i bring nothing into the drift no fear no memories no rank I was like, damn, this is the coolest fucking, like, mm -hmm. shit. it's the best dialogue. Mm -hmm. and they save it for, like, the last 20 minutes. Yes. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's great. And and he goes, well, you know, but, like, how do Ooh. you know we're compatible? And he goes, you're an egotistical prick with daddy issues. I, he's like, you're a puzzle I solved on day one. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Tell him his own name. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then, like, you know, but then, like, Chuck's not the bad guy. He's just a jerk. Yeah. So, you know, they get, like, a hero moment. They realize that... Yeah, well, because, like, he's also very competitive with Charlie Hunnam, and since yeah, he's yeah. our guy, like, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's that, like, you know... Yeah, there's begrudging respect at some point. Yeah. But even going into the final thing, like, he's still kind of a jerk, and, you know... But, but Idris Elba being like, yeah, you're a jerk, is like, okay, cool, we're all on the same page. Yeah. Now we're ready to go into the drift together. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, what they're going to have to do... Mm -hmm. Because there's two kaiju, you know, attacking them simultaneously as they, they decide to detonate the nuclear payload um, to take out the kaiju so that they can clear a path for Gypsy Danger to detonate their core, which is a nuclear reactor, yeah, um, through the rift mm -hmm. and, you know, accomplish the plan. Um, yeah, and then they sacrifice themselves, blow up. The explosion looks amazing. It looks straight out of Akira. Yeah. Like, giant art explosion, like, 
yeah. underwater. It's yeah. fucking wild. It's yeah. great. The shockwave actually separates the water or parts yeah. of the water and then <laughs> they get a, a wave back. Yeah. Some very cool stuff. Yeah. So, like, Gypsy Danger has, like, one arm and, like, a mangled leg and is, like, limping, like, using the sword as a crutch. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Yep. It's it's good, you know, hero moments. And then, yeah, like we said, they win. There is some character building around the edges of this, but I wish there was more. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about or do you want to rank? No, yeah, I think we covered a lot of our, a lot of my, uh, you know, stuff so I can sum up. I thought this was a great watch. It's not a perfect movie. There's things that could have been better. Um, sure. I think I was uh, remarking to you, like, just in terms of, like, you, you have very few female characters in this film. Yeah. There's really only one with lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, like, and I don't think I would have judged this as harshly if it was something from the 80s, but it's 2013. We can do better than this now. Yeah. And then also, yeah, just, like, the the, the stuff I wanted actually reacting in a human way to grief, exploring some of like the psychological impacts of war in general. And then also the specifics of the world that you've built here. These are things that I think would have really enhanced the film and the plot, but the stuff it does well that are very genre defining things, the action and the world building and the creature design are all top notch. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good movie. It's just not going to have, like, everything that I wanted it to be. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. Um, yeah, it, it the world building is really, really good. Yeah. It's very fun. And and it's, it's doing the show-don't-tell stuff very yeah. well, where even though there's a lot of exposition voiceover, there's also a lot of well, just there's, texture. There's only the exposition at the very opening, and that's really just to yeah. set the, like, set the world. And then everything from then on, as far as, like, how stuff works, why stuff is the way it is, is, like, done after, you know. Yeah. Is done through the show, don't tell, through, you know, character mm -hmm. interactions and stuff you pick up. Well, and also, they don't do a lot of as you know. They do a lot of just so you know yeah. kind of things where they're, they, they are constantly managing to put characters in these combinations where they're explaining stuff to one another that you wouldn't expect that person to know. Like, yeah. Idris Elba's not going to understand the science stuff innately. Right. That's why he has scientists to explain stuff to him, and then we get to see it. Yeah, I actually, I thought it was smart that th the story was structured the way it is with a former Jaeger pilot coming back to what is the state of the Jaeger project now. Mm-hmm. Because that gives you somebody who innately understands the world that doesn't need all the nitty-gritty explained to them, because that's tedious. Mm -hmm. But who still is... Needs to be caught up. Who still facilitates, you know, you being told, this is Cherno Alpha from, you know, the Ukraine. And this is, you know, this is Crimson Typhoon from China, you know, piloted by the three, you know, the triplets. And, like, you still get those introduction things that you would not get, you know, like... If it was somebody who had been part of the program. Right. right. But they don't need to be explained, like, this is a Jaeger. This is how a Jaeger works, because we did that already, yeah. you know? Um, and that's really, I think that's really smart. Yeah. I don't understand why he had to be American and could not be British. Yeah. Well, just Elba is British, so they could have known each other from the, the place called Britain. Yeah. I was going to say like a lot of the, uh, stuff they have specific countries. I'm like, well, not really Russia though. Yeah. But China. Yeah. Australia. And... I mean, I think, I think it's China, Australia and Russia because they're, no, I don't know. Cause I was going to say like military powers, but not really Australia. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. 
Don't know. Don't get it. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. I wonder how... Yeah, actually, another thing about it. I wonder how those were chosen. Because China and Russia, military power, okay. But Australia seems weird. Maybe it has to do with, like, the country's, like, inherent wealth or... Yeah, I mean, they military are... Military budget or something? Yeah, it is definitely, you know... Like, conceptually, oh, this country would have enough money to build a Jaeger? Sure. That's interesting. Yeah, and then, I mean, also, like, it's, you know, it's nobody in Europe, really. Yeah. You know. Which is weird. Because Well, no, because they're Atlantic. They're not Pacific. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like um having, like, a, you know, South American nationalities might make sense. Although, again, if you're talking about GDP and, and things like that, then... Maybe not. I don't know. That's interesting. That's an angle to this that I haven't thought of before. Yeah. The only way Russia really makes sense to me is if they're still kind of in competition with the United States, sort of, in that, like, well, we're going to do it too kind of thing. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Eh, Maybe maybe some of Russia's coastline is Pacific. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think so. It's hard to tell what the exact uh, borders of oceans are, too. Yeah, that's true. Like, where does this become not this ocean and the other right. ocean? Right, But uh, the other thing I really like that this movie does is, I'm a big fan of kissing. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. <laughs> but in movies, it all it usually is not necessary. It's just like, why do we have this romantic subplot that doesn't go anywhere? Yeah. Um, and in this, uh, they don't kiss. There's no kiss at the end when you find out that Charlie Hunnam is still alive. Uh, uh, Mako and, uh, and what's it, Raleigh. They don't kiss. They just hug. They're just like, I'm glad you're alive. Yeah, there's a forehead bump. Yeah, and they're just like, cool. We're both alive. We did it. Save the world. Yeah. This is great. Um, She tells Pencos that she loves him yeah. before he dies. It, it, but it's very like, um, again, like he's sort of a father. It's paternal, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so like, and that's the thing too, is like, it's not like there's not these relationships in there. Those are good. It's just that they're not really well established it's assumed because of what we know about drifting and you know having a level of intimacy that's like actually being in somebody else's brain that you can then draw these inferences about the nature of these relationships but it's not really explicitly explored and that's you know yeah well i think it's the two things that guillermo del toro does well Mm -hmm. which is you know like emotional weight yeah and world building mm-hmm. and you know monsters mm-hmm. um at odds with each other in this more than they are in a lot of his projects sure and i mean clearly one triumphed you know like one is mm-hmm. you know more prominent yeah. in this film there's stuff around the edges yeah. of this that addresses all this stuff that he's usually quite good at it just doesn't get the focus here that it does in a lot of his other projects mm-hmm. um which i mean again again some people want a giant monster movie to just be fun smash and grab type stuff just a big fun spectacle but like yeah i, I would like this if it just a little if it was a little bit just like a smidge more saving private ryan you know yeah where you're like oh wow this is like you know this has this has weight yeah but yeah um i also agree this is a great watch i think people should watch it if you've watched the sequel i guess yeah you can write in is it worth <clears throat> looking for so you can reach us to let us know that question the answer to that question on social media at HWGW Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us if you would like at write hate watch great watch. That's W R I T E H W G W at gmail.com. 
And yeah, please let us know if I should uh, should we bother watching Uprising? Is it worth it or no? Because like I have a whole bunch of Godzilla movies I could watch. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think Allison's ever seen uh, Evangelion, so. Mm, no. Thanks for listening. You can get us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday on the Movie John Podcast Network. Well, thanks for uh, watching this movie with me on your on your day off, even though we've been very busy and you're quite tired. Yes. And we'll be back again. Same hate watch time. Same watch time. Same, same watch, watch channel. channel. Yeah. With something else. Yeah. It's probably not going to be Batman, but who knows? Who knows now? It was a Batman the once. Here's the thing that happens on this podcast a lot. We will make a reference to something. Mm hmm. And then shortly thereafter, you know, in, in relatively speaking, mm-hmm. shortly thereafter in episodes, we'll end up watching that movie and doing an episode on it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, usually it's not intentional. Sometimes things just manifest. Yeah, like we did uh, very recently, in fact, we did our 50th episode on the Dawn of the Dead 2004, you know, Zack mm-hmm. Snyder one. And Ving Rames is in it. We talk about how great we, you know, think Ving Rames is. And I mentioned Lilo and Stitch. And then, like, what for you was two episodes later... We did Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Because uh, it was just like, oh. I don't know if you cut it out or not, but uh, Aiden uh, had wanted to come back and we were like, oh, what would you want to do? Well, that's something that was already done, not... <clears throat> yeah. No, I know, but I'm saying like it's that kind of cyclical thing where he was like, oh, Howard the Duck. And we're like, oh, we just did that and it just hasn't dropped yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you yeah. know, who knows? Maybe we'll be doing a Batman mm-hmm. real soon. Although, I mean, again, for you listening, yeah. we kind of just did a yeah, Batman. we did one with Rowan. Okay, we're just talking about other stuff now. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening. It gets weirder when it's just you and me, I think. Yeah, I don't know how to start or end, really. I'm getting better at the starting, but the end I don't know how to do when it's just you and me. That's why why we do the bumpers. The bumpies. Don't call it that. No. (laughs) Do not call it that. No, I'm telling telling myself not to call it that. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Um, Yeah, let's... uh... Stop talking. Let's go eat pizza. I don't know. Do you have enough for a thing? Should we just talk about uh, the Feast of Murpus? Do you want to talk about the Feast of Murpus? Yeah, this will be our after the credits, uh, mm-hmm. after the music thing. So we're um, recording this on April 3rd, so it was just after a major holiday. For us, yeah. Um, we're Murpesians. Um, <laughs> we have... All right. So I've mentioned on other episodes of the podcast, uh, you know, magic is real. I believe in it, and I, you know, I could explain it to you, but you wouldn't care. Maybe. You might. I don't know. If you, if you meet me at a party, we'll talk about it. So we have two house deities, and uh, one of them is Murpus. Uh, how did you describe Murpus the other day? Where I was like, I like that. That's very good. Uh, our fickle god of happenstance and inconvenience. Yeah, okay. Yes. That yeah. is how you describe Murpus, which is good. Um, Murpus is our, is our house deity of, you know, yeah, minor inconvenience and uh, unfortunate happenstance. Yeah, uh, you lose a sock in the dryer, it's because of Murpus. Yeah. Which, I mean, that hasn't happened, but uh, he's been on Crystal this year, man, because she lost a phone and her glasses. Yeah, and, like, her phone, I forget the phone, but the glasses ended up turning up, like, in a location that she had definitely checked a few times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the you know, Murpus is the the deity of, like, didn't I just get these eggs and they're already bad? How did that happen? Yeah. That's Murpus. And, like, why are my keys not the only place I ever put my keys with no... Read. I wasn't drunk. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in a hurry. Why would I put my keys anywhere else? Yeah. That's Murpus. Yeah. And, you know, so like any deity, you have to appease them by paying attention to them. They like that. Um, like cats. We decided the uh, Murpesian holidays are April 1st, 
mm-hmm. and October 30th. Because um, they're relatively equidistant. It's five months one way and seven months the other. Yep. And... April 1st is April Fool's Day. And uh, I this is a little regional, but so uh, October 30th is Devil's Night. Mischief Night. Or Mischief Night, yeah. depending on exactly where you're at. But so it's the night before Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and so that's usually like, yeah, an evening of uh, mischief making and, yeah, yeah. and what have you. These are prank and mischief and, yeah, uh, heavy days. Mm-hmm. So we celebrated with a Merpesian feast. Yes. Uh, basically, you know, what would you what would you eat? What would you suggest eating on a holiday about, like, goofs and pranks and, you know, Prank that kind food. of thing? Yeah, so uh, my original suggestion was, like, maybe food that is the wrong size. Like... Slider burgers and little, little I, I cocktail forgot. weenies and things. This is a while ago, so I I'm, that I, was it your suggestion. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you remember or not. <laughs> Back pocket not, that. Yeah. yeah, It's not what we ended up going with. Yeah. So um, what we ended up doing, Allison made a meatloaf in a cake pan that she then iced with whipped mashed potatoes uh, and decorated with Brussels sprouts and, um, you know, the kind of uh, uh, ketchup spicy ketchup glaze that you would put on a meatloaf mm-hmm. um and yeah it looked like a cake like a fancy birthday cake yeah i did all right so it's food that is not a cake that looks like a cake and then bottle or our other roommate made a cake that did not look like a cake uh they made a litter box cake mm-hmm. which was like half a packet of you know um like vanilla cake mix and half one of uh chocolate cake mix all torn up and thrown together with some pudding chocolate pudding right I don't know exactly what I forget what the, I forget what flavor pudding it was. Yeah. And um, then topped with, you know, ground up uh, Nilla wafers dyed blue so that they look like cat litter. And then the coup de gras <laughs> hand um, manipulated Tootsie Rolls uh, to make little cat turds, little the, candy turds. The, the poo de gras. The poo de gras. That's so vile. It looked yeah. vile. It looked it absolutely horrible. Yep. Tasted very good. I yeah. can't, I didn't eat the Tootsie. I can't do the Tootsie things. I came back out of the kitchen and went like, it's like the train spotting bathroom where- You keep making that reference like everybody gets this. I'm explaining I know. the reference. I just think it's funny. You're like, yeah, it's like this thing. You all know in, it. In train spotting, they have the, you know, most foul bathroom in Britain. Yeah. And it's just like smeared with shit and stuff. Apparently in filming that- all of the quote-unquote shit was chocolate, so being in that bathroom was actually very delightful and delicious smelling. Right. Um, but it looks horrific on film. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so, yeah, it was the same thing with this cake. Cake looks absolutely disgusting, smells amazing, tastes great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, there, there'll be photos. I'll post photos. Yep. It's fine. Yep. Um, yeah, and then we also played uh, Malort Roulette. Oh, yeah, Malort Roulette. Where... Uh, Three shots were of watered-down whiskey, and one shot was of Malort, which is the worst thing I've we're ever not, had. Yeah, it's... Oh, Malort yeah. is so rough. Yeah, you can Wikipedia it. It's a Chicagoian... Um, liquor. Yeah. It's an extremely bitter, woodworm-based liqueur that's actually pretty strong, uh, and it is just so bitter to the point that the flavor is almost rubber-like, but it also has an alcoholic burn to it, so it's very unpleasant. It tastes <laughs> vaguely citrus for about a second, and then after that, it tastes like bile. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a creeping horror on your taste buds that yeah. gets worse the longer it stays there. Yeah, it's bad. Um, yeah. 
And to be clear, the the whiskey was watered down to achieve the appropriate color so yes. that it was visually indistinguishable from the Malort. Yes, because the whole point is that you do not know where nope. the Malort is. Yeah, we mixed all the shot glasses up after everything was done, and we all drew, and I was... The first second that whiskey hit my tongue. You're like, oh, God, this is it. Right, because it didn't taste like whiskey because it was watered down. So I was like, oh, I got the Malort. And I was like, no, that's whiskey. Hello, old friend. And then poor bottle was like, oh, no. Yeah. So It's bottles thing. Yeah, they have some friends out in Chicago. So. Um, Yeah. And that was our, that was our Merpesian feast. Yeah. So, you know, if, if anybody decides to participate i guess yeah in, yeah let us know what you come up with lore. yeah you know i guess email us for you know ideas for merpus Noct, which is uh in october october 30th yeah and uh yeah we'll stay in touch we'll start you know start the start the movement yeah merpesians and then maybe stay tuned to future episodes where we might uh go into further detail uh, and maybe also describe our other house deity yeah but not today no stay tuned just get a little taste. A little taste. Mm. What's that? Oh, it's my lord. Mm. Mm. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. Oh, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All, right. All right. Bye. Bye. Elbow rocket.